All right, let's go on this Thursday, and thank you for waking up with us. It's the Wake Up Call. As always, we're broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. Madness in Mackey last night. We'll talk about that and much more. KB, a good morning to you. you enjoyed the basketball last night, sir? I did. Okay. Honestly, good my, for you. The, the greatest enjoyment of last night for me was not even Notre Dame's effort against Virginia, it was Chris Collins. Yes, it was. Good if for him. If you're going to get tossed, That's get how you tossed do it. in that fashion. You're damn right. There's about six aspects. to. I'd love to analyze <laughs> the ejection more than anything. Great college basketball game. Terrific atmosphere per usual in Mackey. But uh, if you're going to get tossed, that is tossing 101 right there by Chris Collins. I loved every aspect of it. I love the demonstrative nature. I loved him telling Brooks Barnheiser, I'm good. I love him violently going over to Brooks is, Brooks is just doing the right thing. Leave him alone. Come I mean, on. No assistant was trying to stop him. No security no, was trying to stop him. That's the end him. of the game. It's over. The hometown kid, Brooks Barnheiser, was doing that. Uh, the violent handshake to Matt Painter. Oh, yeah. I thought that was probably, I guess it was kind of reminiscent of his big guys hitting Zach Eady as he dapped up Zach Eady. Pulling him off down. The yeah. floor. And I always love Andy. The long walk off the floor. You know, oh, yeah. Purdue's one of the unique arenas in that you know the, both teams come out of the same tunnel, and I love the long walk. And again, once he daps up Edie there, the crowd's giving it to him. He gives it back. I love. I, I I've had no opinion on Chris Collins before last night. I love him now. You know what? That is a great point. You kind of wake up and you're like, I don't think I ever had an opinion on Chris no. Collins. I didn't. I didn't like him. I didn't dislike sure. him. He's got a difficult job at Northwestern. He's done a nice he's job. Done, he's done I a think nice he's got job. A good basketball yeah. team. I he's think got a couple go guards. To, I, I I think they're about potentially a second weekend team. Honestly, I mean guards in March, right? Isn't that what teams fear? I, that's a round of 32 type game. Going into last night, they were a seven seed. And so it, that's who you would play. And if I'm a two, kind of. I would not want to oh, see them. Sure. You sure. Know, with what Boo Boo and what you know Tyler Berry can do. But <laughs> you know what it he's is? He's got so much of his father in him, Doug Collins. Oh, yeah. It's, fantastic. It, it's not yeah. even the long walk. It's always the one guy who goes with coach. So there's just one guy. I don't know if that's the SID. So when he was getting the crowd, when he's going through the tunnel, he was pumping his hands up and getting the crowd all riled up. There was one guy. That tried to pull, uh, that tried to pull him down, <laughs> pull him down the aisle on his quarter zip. There, I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's the SID or if that's an assistant no one coach. Was who that is? That man. No one was no, stopping. No one stops Chris Batman. Collins, and no one was stopping Zach Eady for long stretches of the night. And uh, obviously, the foul debate, Andy, will be an abundant one today. Chris Collins literally had a quote before the game in in regards to his three big men. We have fifteen fouls. We're going to use all of them. Like, if any coach has ever said truer (laughs) words before a game and been like, the foul discrepancy is not going to matter. And, you know, this is how Northwestern plays. Northwestern, A, they foul a lot, and B, they shoot a lot of threes. So, yes, when you see the foul shots, and and the technicals get a little skewy there at the end, but when you see the discrepancy, it obviously is eye-popping. But there's, like, a lot of reason behind it. Purdue gets fouled a ton. They've got a 7-4 dude that is they have a super giant. skilled. And, yeah, they have a giant on their team. And Northwestern was clearly very prone to fouling Zach Eady a whole lot. But again, what a great, great college basketball game. I loved it. Um, so much individual skill. So much individual guys just delivering. Like... You know, it's kind of weird, Andy, back-to-back nights. And by the way, good Thursday morning to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Wake Up Call 
with KB and Andy. Big one tonight in Madison Square Garden. I am eager for this one. I'd like to see this become a rivalry, frankly. Again, uh, Pacers-Knicks. Uh, we'll certainly chat a lot about that today. But, you know, these back-to-back nights, to me, you got the Anthony Leal feel-good story in Bloomington on Tuesday night. And then last night, there are times where a lot of people are like, yeah, college basketball is just not very skilled. You know, those guys aren't super talented. It's not like the NBA. You had, Andy, five or six dudes play out of their minds to varying degrees last night. Oh, yeah, night. Bowie. When you combine the Barry, two teams. Sure. Bowie, Barry, Edie. Zach, Edie. Yeah, How about Lance, Lance Jones. Jones hitting shot after shot when Purdue needed it the most? Fletcher Lawyer sticks one to ice the game. And Braden Smith, one of the best nights in school history with 16 assists. Uh, you think a little chip on his shoulder from not being on the Bob Cousy uh, top 10 point guard <laughs> list as well? I did love it. We should have played it. Matt Painter the other day was like, it's like the sectional draw where they put names in a hat. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember always yelling and screaming about how stupid that was. That they put names in a hat for a draw for your postseason. Well, that's fantastic. Certainly, Brain Smith played like a pissed off individual. 16 he, assists he, last he's night. He's had some sex, sectional success. Oh, boy. Yeah, boy, easy now. Oh, boy. Well, he might have had that, I guess, after for the game as well. <laughs> 16 assists. I mean, come on now. He's not Whoa. in the NBA yet. <laughs> well, I don't think you need to be in the NBA no, you don't. to go down Hey, listen, I'm sure, I'm sure a couple fast. of those guys had a pretty good night. You know, your oh, number, number two team should be number one team uh, in the country. Yeah, I just, the foul thing, there's nuance to the discussion. It doesn't mean there weren't missed calls in the game. And I will say this about Chris Collins. As great as it was, the only thing about it is he did, he did erupt at the the end of the game. So there was nothing to lose other than adding four points on it. Now, I was hoping, and this is, Mark, you have to know this. This is because you were gloating about your win, like uh-huh. 12 and a half, right? You had Purdue. No, no I you had, had 14. 14 and a half. I, there, was, there was a part of me that was thinking, what if Purdue was up like 12 in Collins or whatever? Oh, and Collins, Collins, <laughs> Collins mm-hmm. gets it then, and he then covers. Then I would have cursed he, his name. No, that's exactly. And then the number gets covered one way or the other with four uh, late free throws. Collins' but... nephew's texting his uncle. What the hell, man? <laughs> He's at that uh, sports book in Cincinnati where the guy made the $20,000 college baseball bet. There there was a little thing to last night that I love from Purdue as well. And, and again, the biggest question I had entering last night, Andy, was, again, how do you defend a guy like Boo Booey? How do you defend these guards? And I do think if we get or when we get to Selection Sunday – a big thing that Purdue is going to want to avoid in their bracket. Like, what do you not want to see in your bracket? It's a guard like Bowie. It's it's kind of a team like Northwestern, yeah. to be frank with you. Sure. Of very skilled guards that you saw Bowie late in that game. He gets ED on a switch. He gets just a little sliver of, of space. A little step back. Boom. Done. Knocks yep. that three in. Next possession. What does ED do? It's a switch again. ED now is like, all right, he's, he just hit one in my face. I got to come out on him a little bit more. And Bowie drives around him, gets a layup to Barnheiser, and they're up five. And, and of course, again, Purdue answers. Lance Jones. Lance Jones, three. yeah. ED the back-to-back buckets, one of those out of a timeout. But again, that's, that is a worry for me exiting last night. What I liked early on last night, and, and maybe it's low-hanging fruit, but for me, Andy, I think back to you know Purdue and Indiana a few weeks ago when Mike Woodson's best players got two fouls and he fouled them out for the rest of the th- first th- this half. This was the first thing on my list today. Last night, yep. Lance Jones and Fletcher Lawyer both get two fouls in the first half, and I'm thinking, oh man, we're going to see a lot of Ethan Morton. We might even see Miles Colvin. Like, Purdue's going to have to go deep into their guard bench 
And that is not how Painter handled it whatsoever. He kept those guys in the game. He trusted he those did guys. Some offense, defense, sure, shoving, sure. which you don't really see in the first half. He threw a little bit of zone at Boo Booey. That is so anti-Painter uh, as as well. Those are things that you want to see from your head coach. Uh, evolve adjustments, uh, not sticking to. Whatever, coaching 101 of if player gets two fouls in the first half, you must sit him for the rest of the first half. He knew what that game meant. He knew that Northwestern's a damn good team, and he needed to have those guys on the floor, and lo and behold, those two dudes finished the entire game and going into overtime. So th- that was just an element from, from Painter last night that I loved. Well, that was the number one thing on my list, and I remembered us talking about that very thing with Purdue, or uh, with IU, you know, as, oh, what what game was it? You just said it. What game was it where, you Purdue. know, just, yeah, oh, yeah, it was a Purdue, Purdue game. I mean, I mean, the, game, the, the game's closed, the game's kind of closed, the game's closed, the game's kind of closed, and boom, there you go. You have guys sitting, and you bring them back, you know, with, what, two minutes to go in that first half, and by that time, the horse is out of the barn, as they would say. I don't know if that's a saying around here. That's a saying that I'm used sounds to. Sounds like an Indiana uh, thing to Yeah, say. I mean, it's the horse is out of the barn at that point. That's not what Matt Painter did and I, I don't know just a just a fun I don't know this Purdue Northwestern just I don't know for some reason with the matchup the confidence that Northwestern plays against Purdue and everything else I, I'm I here's where I'm stuck KB and I, I'll be honest Purdue is so good and when we talk about the top tier teams, you know, we had Mike DeCourcy on earlier in the week. We could have any college basketball uh, guest on and I could ask them, hey, the top tier teams, the 1A teams, what, what you know, whatever moniker you want to use, who is in that tier? And everyone, 100 percent of them would would say uh, would say Purdue. I am interested in how fans come from that game. Is it? You know, hey, in two games against Northwestern, we've shot 87 free throws, which is, you know, Collins is going back to probably the game a month ago or whatever it was, and then adding the game from last night. Do Purdue fans look at it as, hey, this is the type of team you're going to play in the round of 32 or perhaps a Sweet 16. This is a great training ground, Kevin Bowen, for uh, our team to be in a great atmosphere and to have a team get up five points late, to have those guards, to know they're going to be physical and at times perhaps over-physical with a guy like Zach Eady. And we persevered through it and we won and it was a gut-check moment and, uh, you know, we got to play out some things. We get two fouls to some superstars. Boom. We put him back in in the first half. And by the way, both of those guys responded. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. both of those guys came out. They protected their fouls. They played well, and they responded. Um, I, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, do, do the majority of the fans say, we love that we got tested in this way and we answered this test? Or do they say, we, we do at times struggle with these with these guards, as does everybody sure, in college sure. basketball. And our free throw shooting, they're like 180 in the Kempom right now. The free throw shooting needed to be better. It did not have to be. We talk about getting out of our own way, right? You've you've mentioned that with Purdue. They got to get out of their own way when you're talking specifically about turnovers. We got to get out of our way. And when we go to the line, we got to make the free throw. If we don't make free throws, that's like a turnover. If we go there, we miss two. We miss a front end. We're one out of two, whatever it may be. So I'm interested in the critical nature versus the, this was a great test for our team in, you know, late January, now the 1st of February. Yeah, I, I, 
I think both can be true, to be honest. With I think you. they probably are. Great tests, but again, and I'll echo this in a month and a half when Selection Sunday rolls around. The type of guard like Boo Booey, and to your point, there's not many of them in college basketball. And they're all difficult to stop. That is a damn good player. And again, I think a guy like Ty Berry off of them is oh, very Barry's critical good, yeah. as well. Those guys do not grow on trees, but that's what you want to avoid, bracket-wise. I mean, I honestly, I think Purdue would rather see an Arizona type. Um, I'm using that as an example of like a good big dude versus a really skilled little guard that, again, wants to pull Edie away from the basket, wants to get him involved in pick and rolls, uh, make you defend us on the perimeter. And one wrinkle to Northwestern that they don't really have, but, um, you know, a couple of their big guys shot some outside shots, but, you know, that will be a question at some point. Is there a team that is a true kind of five out? We've got a big dude that can literally knock it down. And, again, if you are able to get Edie away from the basket, how does Purdue respond to that? So, um, that is, I think, an element of when you get to March, of all the boxes Purdue's checked this season, to me that remains an unchecked box. And it's unchecked for a lot of teams in college basketball, but uh, that is something that I think they do want to try and avoid, obviously. It's up to Lady Luck well, for how long they can avoid It's all that. matchups. It's all matchups in the tournament. We can say this. We don't know who they're going to face. I mean, the last couple years, did you think if you're Purdue or anybody else, you would lose to the teams that you've lost to, right? Sure. I mean, you can get ready for the big boys, but you're all, you're not always facing a big boy when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Again, that was last night. Joey Brackets had Northwestern, and they won't get penalized for losing in overtime, a close overtime game against what I think is the best team in the country. Um, um, but that's a seven seed. So Purdue's not going to be a two. So, you know, in this exercise, they would never face off in the round of 32. But seven seeds are very much like eight seeds, right? Or very much like nine seeds. And that is who Purdue is going to face uh, in the second round of the tournament. So at 730, I have a, I have a note on Purdue uh, that I wanted to get to as well. And I did see some IU fans chirping about the the missed free throws last night. So I might have to say something about them as well. If they were praying they could get an IU loss last night. It did not happen. Tonight, 7.30 in Madison Square Garden. The Knicks a slight favorite in this one despite no Julius Randle and OG Ananobi is questionable. He's missed the first two games this week. This is an important one. We'll, we'll get into it more throughout the show. But right now, if the playoffs started today, this is your matchup. This is your three versus six. The Knicks, uh, a great month of January for them. They lost two games the entire month. Ananobi's been outstanding for them. And, and I mean it. I, I think there are some elements to this that it can become a rivalry again. I don't just say that from a sentimental value. Sure, there's a little bit of that that I want, but there I think is some context around uh, this potentially turning in to a rivalry. So uh, it is a back-to-back tonight in Madison Square Garden. Tomorrow night back here at the Fieldhouse against the Kings. Tyrese Halliburton to Jake and Jimmy yesterday. Yes, he was. Acted like he wants to play in this back-to-back. Scott Agnes is going to join us at 8.30. And Scott's got a little bit of a news item. I'll let him share with us in regards to Tyrese Halliburton playing that 65-game threshold. I would say a little bit of good news on that front. So Scott will join us coming up at 8.30. Indiana State survives last night after an ugly first half. Uh, We'll uh, hit on that as well. Good Thursday morning to you. I am Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. Scott Agnes, 8.30. Purdue Chatter with Brian Newbert from Golden Black at 9. And at 9.30, a cool event. Local guy, Sheldon Day. Great dude. Warren Central Product. 
Notre Dame product, former Colt, played in the Super Bowl 49ers and Chiefs a few years back. When All-Star Week rolls around, he's got a fun event at Hinkle Fieldhouse with some celebrities. Uh, He will share that with us coming up at 9.30. Thank you for tuning in. It is the Wake Up Call with uh, Andy, or with Andy Sweeney, Kevin Bowen, and Mark Dykton again. (laughs) 93.5.1075, The Fan. All right, morning check down. Reminder, Scott Agnes coming your way at about 8.30 or so. We'll talk some Purdue basketball with him. Let's dive into it. Last night, 105-96, your final there in Mackey in overtime. Purdue over Northwestern. 20-2 now uh, are the Boilermakers on the season. 9-2 in the Big Ten. One of the storylines missed free throws. Purdue just 29-46, of 63% from the line. And Kevin, quite frankly, if they didn't go to overtime, that number was going to be worse. Uh, they took care of business in overtime. Here's Matt Painter post game on those missed free throws. The thing for us was trying to keep our morale up because they made some tough shots, but we did positive things and then we missed free throws. So, but you're doing good things. You're like, hey, what should we run here? Like, keep running what you're, you know, what you're doing. And we've outscored 50 points in the first half. We would have came close to that if we could have made free throws in the second half. Um, and it would have changed the game, but we didn't. All right, it's a big one on Sunday now. Uh, who's going to win the Big Ten may come down to these two games against Wisconsin. The first one at Wisconsin. So number two versus number six, one o'clock on Sunday on CBS. February game of the year, right? In the Big Ten. We'll I would see say so. We get a March game of the year yeah. when these two teams rematch in Mackey, but cannot wait for that. Obviously, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I said in the opening segment, to get so many individuals playing like they did last night. Edie's got 30 and 15. Lance Jones has got 26, hits big shot after big shot after big shot. Braden Smith, 16 assists, second most in school history. What Boo Booey did with 25-8, and eight, I don't think he had a turnover after the first half. And he didn't score in the first, what, five, six minutes? Didn't even take a shot. Ty Berry, big shots early as Northwestern kind of withstood those early punches from Purdue. And Lynn Fletcher Lawyer, the dagger, and I believe an ode to Sam Cassell running down the floor there, if you catch my drift uh, <laughs> on the big old you-know-what. That's a technical some places. That, if, if, you do is, a t- if you yeah. do it too pronounced, you get a technical. I thought that was a T. Chris Collins made sure to say, uh, I'll take care of any officiating here to end it. Uh, so Purdue gets it done last night. Big win when you talk about the Big Ten standings. As well. Indiana State survived. Speaking of last night, they were down at half. That is a game they could not have afforded afforded to lose. They were down eight to Belmont, did come back and win. So that sets up kind of their game of the year now at the Holman Center, six o'clock Saturday, a rematch with Drake, their only loss in the Missouri Valley. Andy, I think it's their probably last opportunity to really, really bolster any resume of significance. I think if they win that and take care of business the rest of the way, I think that's enough based off where their standings are. But if they lose it, Boy, it's I don't, probably going to have to yeah. be the Missouri Valley uh, Conference title or bust yeah, if, to make the tournament. If, if, if we're talking about an at-large here, I would not feel good until they were actually in the field. Lenardi until right Selection now, Sunday, you see your name yeah. pop up against somebody. Joe Lenardi has them as an 11, so theoretically, if you eliminated the bid, they still have, what, a handful of spots to play with to get to the 12 line or get to the play-in games or things like that, but still. Uh, very, very important for Indiana State just to hold serve and a huge one at the Holman Center. 6 o'clock, ESPN 2 on Saturday. Can I add one thing to that? I did see, and I forget the, uh, one of the reporters there in the area uh, was saying how, you know, tickets, like it's sold out. Tickets are being scalped for this game. 
So the first time in 20 years he could remember tickets being scalped to an Indiana State basketball game. And I love it's on ESPN, too. I think a lot of people have been unable to watch them or haven't watched them. Uh, Again, it's a great watch. Last night, super balanced. uh, All their guys in double figures. So, again, that's coming up Saturday (laughs) evening. All right, tonight, Madison Square Garden. It is the Pacers as a a three-and-a-half-point underdog, last I saw, taking on the Knicks. These teams met, Andy, at the end of December. Indiana scored 140 against the Knicks. That is a season high against them. All of a sudden, the calendar flips to January. New York obviously makes a trade for OG Ananobi. They go 14-2 and in that month. They have been a stifling defensive team. It's really a fun matchup tonight of the best offense in the NBA against probably the best defense in the league. If you look at the injury report, assuming Halliburton gives it a go, assuming Turner gives it a go, and that is, I think, a strong assumption right now, uh, the Pacers are definitely better off. Uh, no Mitchell Robinson, of course, for the Knicks. He's been out for a while. No Julius Randle, who got hurt last week. And OG Ananobi is questionable with a right elbow injury. So that is on the good news. And, you know, we can get into this a little bit more in a few minutes. I think there are reasons for this to become a legitimate rivalry. We talked about it yesterday a little bit. I think the Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Brunson angle is there in a way. Don't you think Ananobi and Siakam well, that's both what I was kind of look say. at each other yeah. and say, hey, man, <laughs> former teammates, here we are. That's exactly and, what I was going to you know, say. Better opportunities than we were. Uh, two good coaches. In, in, in Toronto. You just naturally hate Tom Thibodeau, don't we? Doesn't he just look like a guy that you want to hate? Does Tom Tip? Yeah, Tom Thibodeau, his voice. Yeah, yeah, I can say that. I got no problem with that. He's a tough SOB. I got I no problem with hating Tom Thibodeau. So if he's not I'm good with SOB, let's then, go. Then yeah, you, I'm fine th- with it. Then you hate him. So I'm good with it. I want this to become a rivalry again. <laughs> this is 730 tonight. Again, a back-to-back. Home against Sacramento, also 7.30 tomorrow night. Uh, Just two things on this. Tyrese Halliburton was on uh, yesterday with uh, Query and Company. It was a great interview. I don't know if you heard it. I thought he he was fun. I thought he was eloquent. I thought he hit his points. We'll play some of the sound as it pertains to the 65-game threshold. He said one thing I disagree with, uh, but for the most part, fantastic interview. They had some fun at the end. Check that out. He did talk about feel. Now, this would have been yesterday, okay? So when he mentions, I want to play tomorrow, he's talking about today. Uh, but the hamstring, he wakes up, he's feeling good, and does hope to play tonight. And then KB, he answered the question you were wondering, the back-to-back coming up tonight and Friday. I feel good this morning. I think that was the plan, uh, hence why there's a minute restriction put in place, is that you know you hope that you you know ice, get your treatment, whatever, wake up in the morning and feel good and be ready to go. So uh, I feel good this morning um, waking up and moving around and be ready to go against the Knicks. Uh, tomorrow, and you know, my goal is to play in the back to back with the Kings the next game. And um, I think that if I can show that I can get through three games in four days, that that's encouraging to our medical staff and um, you know, will help the minutes restriction move along. Now, the question becomes again, how many minutes and how do you stagger those? Because we obviously saw 22 minutes for him on Tuesday, exited midway through the third, did not come back into the game. Certainly, you'd like to get off to a better start to where you can play him in the fourth quarter, but certainly very curious to see what that looks like tonight and tomorrow nights. All right, a couple of other things. Uh, how many, or will you, I guess, um, flip over to the Pro Bowl skills competition tonight? <laughs> Commercial for the Pacers. Do you uh, yeah. flip over to the yeah, Pro Bowl sure. skills competition? sure. I have no problem. I, yeah. I, I might pull a Jimmy Cook. You bring it up on the iPad, perhaps. Kicker, tic-tac-toe. Precision who are the kickers? Passing? I don't even know. Who are the kickers? I, I just assume it's like Justin Tucker. <laughs> Chase McLaughlin, didn't he have yeah, a good year yeah, for the probably. Bucks? It's too bad. You, know, you do that halfway through the year, Matt Gay would have made it, especially after, after what he did in Baltimore. And then an announcement yesterday impacting us from a local 
angle here. Uh, the Andretti family gets turned down from F1. If you saw the press release and the reasoning from F1, that is a laugh-out-loud uh, reasoning behind it. F1 says they did not believe that the Andretti family could produce a team capable enough to create enough competition <laughs> in F1. Are you, go- are you going where I'm going? Yeah. Because, you know, when I think of F1, I think of just parody. The I same think guy wins. Unbelievable competition. It's Red Bull racing or no one. <laughs> it's that, that damn like, uh, that was stopping guy. Laugh out loud. Like, just don't release a reasoning. It's. I mean, the, the one guy wins every single race. An if absolute, not one, there's a second guy that wins every single F1 race. An absolute joke. And I continue to reiterate it's one of the many reasons why I think IndyCar, by far, is the best product from a racing standpoint because you do get the unknown. You do get the parody on a weekend, week out basis. Certainly a far, far cry from Formula One. Justin Tucker and Jason Myers of the Seahawks. Are the oh, kickers. there you Jason go. Jason Myers. Okay. Yeah. This All Verstappen right. guy's pretty good looking, though. He's got great hair. Doesn't he? You know Verstappen. He's got great hair. Austria, Whoa. Denmark? Uh, yeah, uh, Dutch. Yeah, he's Belgian Dutch, and Dutch. Netherlands? Yep, Belgian and Dutch. It's a good mix there. He's a great looking guy, though. On the he other side, everything. more last night. One of the most epic ejections you'll ever see. Chris Collins. Honestly, he deserves an award. For, the Big Ten should honor him. for. Do they do Coach <laughs> of the Week? You should be Coach of the Week just for that effort and getting tossed from Mackey. We'll touch more on a great one in uh, West Lafayette. And also tonight... It is a playoff preview as of right now. Three versus six, Pacers and Knicks. We'll chat about that on the other side. It is the wake-up call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Scott Agnes going to join us in about an hour. We'll talk with him. We'll keep the Purdue conversation going here in just a second. I got a stat for you. Uh, I want to appreciate uh, listener Charlie. You ready for this? Have you read this huh? stat yet that he no. tagged us in this morning? All right, listen to this. This is from Stats. okay, about last night's game in Mackey. Northwestern is the only Division One team in the last 25 years to score 95-plus points, shoot 55% or better, dish out 20-plus assists, have fewer than 10 turnovers, and yet still lose. Division One teams had been 763-0 over that span when putting up those numbers in a college basketball game. <laughs> No wonder Chris Collins ejected at the end. (laughs) Damn on multiple levels. I feel for the person that actually looked that up. It's not Uh, us. I I, I don't even know how you even (laughs) think or find that. Uh, And secondly, yeah, you know, I get Chris Collins' frustration, but I will echo what I said early in the show. The man literally said coming into the game in regards to his three big men, we have 15 fouls to use. We're going to use them. Like, he spoke it into prophecy right there. I mean, how many fouls did they use? I mean, it was like 13 of the 15, right? Nicholson had two immediately. Like, he had had two, boom. Nicholson, the other dude, fouled out. Uh, Was that Hunger, I believe? Uh, Hunger, uh, uh, Martinelli, and Nicholson. Preston stayed in the game, right? Preston was the one that finished the game He he only had two fouls, but Martinelli, Hunger, Nicholson all uh, fouled out from the game. You know, there's been part of me over the years that has watched Notre Dame, which has been, you know, on the good Mike Bray teams, they're much more of a perimeter-oriented team. Sure. And Notre Dame has finished some games in their Big East days or even the ACC days where I'm like, damn, 20 free-throw discrepancy in the game? And I'm like, well, you kind of get what you earn. Like, if you attack down low and you attack the rim and you have a big dude, you're more prone to get 
to the foul line than if you don't. If you're and I watch Northwestern and I honestly think of kind of those Notre Dame teams a little bit of very guard oriented, very skilled. They don't really defend anyone on the other end of the floor. And they just got kind of like complimentary big dudes. And so I'm not shocked by that number to the degree of like, that is absolute BS. Chris Collins should rip the Big Ten officials. He should be fine. Look at the first matchup. How many foul shots did Purdue shoot in that one? Uh, 41. That's what I'm saying. The, the last two games, 87, 46, 41. It's kind of Northwestern's yeah. MO. If you look at it, again, maybe not to this level, but if you look at it, they foul a lot. They don't get to the foul line a lot. And they did this to Purdue in the first matchup, and Chris Collins, this was kind of their game plan. Like, we are going to use all of these fouls. And by the way, it was a good game plan the way Purdue shot the ball right. from the free throw line. It's kind of a good game Which, plan, low-key. That, that to me was kind of a surprising element of, you know, Hack Edie is not something people have done. No, he's been solid, I know. He's usually know. a very good foul shooter. What was his final total last night? Uh, last last night, his final total, one, I just had it pulled up. Hang on. Uh, da, 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 Edie was 8 of 17 from the free throw line last night. And he's what? Usually north of 70%? Yeah, he is usually this season, and this is factored in last night, at 72%. Right, so last night obviously you know brought that down a little bit. So The overtime helped everyone. Purdue scored 24 points in that overtime. And of course you get what? Did Gil- <laughs> I thought Gillis hit maybe all four free throws there. He did. After the technicals. Because after the game, Painter talked about it. He's like, Lance Jones had 26, you know. Maybe I put him at the line. Maybe I should have thought about uh, that so he could, he could potentially get to 30 no, points. But, but Gillis, I think Gillis has, deserves it, well, too. Well, that, that was his point, was Gillis has, given, great role yeah, player, has yeah. given up some you know some minutes probably this season. There was I, I don't know. I feel like, like a little sappy for college basketball here in the last 48 hours. You really have. There was a really cool moment. I think it was late in regulation. Um, and I know I've obviously poked fun at the Jack Collinsworth-Steven Bardo duo at times. I really enjoy Kevin Kugler. And Robbie Hummel, because Hummel is great, you know, from an analytical standpoint, X and O standpoint, you know, to kind of nerd out and explain to us what's going on. Kevin Kugler next to him is wonderful in giving us the emotion. Oh, he's great, yeah. And there was a point late in regulation where it was a timeout. They don't go to commercial. They stay in Mackey, and both Kugler and Hummel, they don't speak. They just let it breathe, and they just... I mean, just camera shots all around Mackey, a lot of the paint crew, a lot of the student section, uh, you know, one of the, I don't know, Sandstorm or one of those, you know, EDM songs is playing. And just an awesome shot of like a great Wednesday night college basketball atmosphere. And I, I just love that. You know, oftentimes you either see those moments just go to commercial and you miss out on it or, you know, you get a couple of announcers or graphics thrown up and you don't get to fully experience that. Uh, that was really cool to see, and just kind of the cherry on top uh, for what I thought was a great back-and-forth game, some terrific individual performances, great shot-making, in particular from Northwestern for sure, uh, and just an awesome, awesome game. And, and, and I walk away from that thinking Northwestern is, that's a team that can win multiple games in tournament, even as like a six or a seven seed. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, if, you're, see if, you're, if you're a two seed right now and you're going to be, you know, Houston or Kansas, you know, Kansas doesn't have the best guard play, and you you get you get Northwestern right. in a neutral in a neutral site. God, Boo Boo is so good. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know this from you guys. Your so thoughts on Sandstorm, your thoughts on Sandstorm. Right, your thoughts on Sandstorm and that's what is Purdue what Purdue does out of the uh-huh. halftime. It honestly makes me think back to high school. 
they would play this with a minute to go in the passing period. <laughs> like you need to drop really? some acid and have some glow uh-huh. sticks on you. Speaking of EDM bands, this and final countdown, and then you'd have to race, you know, to your classroom. Do you see the Indy Five Hundred? You know, they always have a bunch of EDM. You know, have you seen type, the Indy Five Hundred uh, around the Snake Pit? <laughs> well, you ever, I, you, ever, you ever been to I, that? You I, ever? Uh, I, I've never glow, been to the Snake Pit. Glow, I, glow sticks in the mouth for Kevin Bowen. Yeah, I, I've been to the Indy Five Hundred <laughs> here. Um, yeah, be careful what you ingest when you go into the Snake Pit. I was not familiar with the names, but JMV informed me that, uh, what is it, uh, tr- Tim Trumpet Tim, something wrong? Oh, Timmy the Trumpet, Timmy, yeah, and, is and going the, to be there. So this is the Edwin Diaz, this is the Mets closer song? That the Mets completely, you know, drove into the ground two years ago, that everyone started to do it, but I did see that, a bunch of e- a bunch of EDM. Uh, you mentioned the crowd, Matt, after the game, Matt Painter did say, he's like, yeah, I was trying to call plays on the sideline, and it didn't matter. He's like nobody could hear me. Crowd was so loud, which is great. But he's like, yeah, no, nobody could hear me. Could I so say one? Th- well, I, go ahead. I, I, go I'm ahead. just gonna add one, one more yeah. thing to the noise. Purdue does like a decibel. Oh, meter, sure. Which, you know, I'm sure. sure. Pretty much every major college venue does that. And How accurate are those things? Well, yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm always curious about that. Uh, but I guess the loudest moment in Mackey occurred last night when Fletcher Lawyer hit the dagger three to ice it there. And again, the Fletcher Lawyer reaction. Uh, not sure if all the moms out there totally understood what Fletcher was doing there, but <laughs> Sam Cassell somewhere. That's a Boston Celtic assistant, right, Sam Cassell? Oh, boy, yeah. Is that where he's at? I think he is. Night off for the Celtics, I assume, after back-to-back. I don't know if Sam was uh, dialed into the Big Ten maybe Network. He was but da- maybe he was dialed into the Big Ten Network. Maybe an I don't ode know. to Sam Cassell from Fletcher Lawyer I, after that one. Just something I've noticed uh, about Purdue. And now this is someone, you know, I took this job in August, and so I watched Purdue, but I didn't follow them like we're follow- like I'm following them now. Okay, I think that's a fair assumption. You move to a different market, you're going to watch things differently. And I've been thinking the last few weeks – what is it about Purdue? And so when we've had our Purdue conversations, KB, I'm not saying they're always the same, but you know, Purdue is in an odd spot that they're so good. And they're one of the few teams that is so good. Like, I think Kentucky was pretty good this year. Well, I mean, look what they've done the last three games. They lost last night to to Florida. They were up four with 50 seconds to go, KB, and they lost to Florida in overtime, okay? So it's like Purdue hasn't had... You know, that like a string of where they played poor for two weeks. And I got thinking, by the way, Matt Painter on today with JMV, I think at four o'clock. We had Matt Painter on like a month ago, whatever it was, month and a half ago. I love listening yeah, to Matt Well, Painter. and Matt Painter had a conversation with us that in the recruitment process, whether um, it be Braden Smith, whether it be Lance Jones, that he doesn't want to deal with stuff. I remember him saying that, and I'm sure that's something that, he, you know, rhetoric that he's used for many years around here. But I think the thing with Purdue and them being so good uh, is not, yes, is, you know, they out hustle teams. You think of the Indiana game. It's all the, it's all the good things and all the good players and all the clutch, you know, items, all the wins that they've had. But you know what Matt Painter maybe has done as good as anyone in the country? And I think it has swayed even the amount here that Purdue has talked about. And that is this. Purdue is a team that the last couple years, and definitely this season, Kevin, there's no drama around them. Think about it. even good teams have yeah. drama, right? You know, there's a player or two that that's you know that's the 
you know, kind of left out and maybe they pout or maybe they have a mysterious injury and we're asking, oh, what about this? Or you lose a string of games, two out of three, three in a row to where we're looking at you saying, hey, what's going on there? Or there's something between a coach and a player. Somebody gets benched. Someone is going through this massive slump that is, you know, that is a problem. There's something off the floor. There's there's something that is always being harped on. Mike Woodson, good God, there's always something that's being harped on. I think that's the most, you know, to me, you go through all these teams, so much drama in sports, so much drama in college basketball. Matt Painter has kept his really good team away from, I'm not saying they're not interesting, but they don't give you a headline and that is on purpose. And that's that's a skill that Matt Painter has. A lot of people have been frustrated with how college athletics have evolved over the past, you know, what, two or three years, probably maybe a handful of years. Purdue is, it's a feel-good story. I mean, if you are just a casual observer and if you have no ties to Bloomington or an 812 area code or Southern Indiana, uh, you can get behind Purdue pretty easily. And that's what I think makes uh, them a team that, yeah, they've been routinely a top five team, but there's more to it. Um, There isn't, you know, that, you know, drama like you said, or um, if you're very bothered by the transfer portal or things like that, or one and dones or however you want to describe it, Purdue's not that either um so uh, that element to them is there and you know I, I said it to you last week and um to me it's so much about putting the puzzle together and lance jones you won't find him on any sort of top 50 top 70 transfer portal list from last off season and it, it, it's a great great find and how key was he last night i mean the amount of big shots he made again defending Bowie at times um just outstanding from him so many great individual performances last night Inside of Mackey. Yeah, and I'm not sure, you know, other Purdue teams, we talk about, you know, they knew, let's say they don't have Lance Jones, okay, with what they've had, or they get someone who is a lesser player, who is much more of a bench player, they'd have a couple losses. They'd still be, what, a one or two seed. I mean, they'd still be one of the best teams in the country, but they go out and they get better. I mean, Lance Jones made them a great, they made a one seed a great deal better. Yeah, I feel better on February 1st this year than I did last year. Hell, I'd feel a lot better if the sun came out today, by the way, as well. I did read something. uh, It's what, the 25, out of the last 25 years, this is the gloomiest January we've had in this area in like 2025 years. I saw something crazy in the sky yesterday. It was kind of blue. I was like, what the hell's going on I'm like oh it's the blue sky <laughs> no that's very so, weird that was southwest very odd no it was something there. else was yeah. you got tricked your eyes are messed your up there um one thing to note on purdue these continued you know just kind of holding serve in the big 10 while they're not maybe the most marquee things it just continues to set up the path i mean they'd have to absolutely fall in their face to not be a a one seed and in all likelihood they're going to be the number one overall seed so the path is going to be cambridge Fieldhouse for the first two rounds and then Detroit for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Uh, You're going to Detroit, right? You're following Purdue the whole way. You love that city, right? They would have to be absolutely (laughs) just an awful month of February for that. Look at a Tigers game. Why do you hate hate Detroit? Just just because it's Detroit? Oh, because the brawl, of course. Okay, yeah, yeah my bad. I actually I like they knocked that. down the Silver Dome. Yeah, where Hulk Hogan like that's Auburn, that's Auburn Hills. That's not, you know. Is it Jets Pizza that does the Detroit style? Yes. Yes. I actually mm-hmm. like that. That's oh, good. Detroit man. style is pretty good. Can I uh, make this rivalry happen? Pacers Knicks again. All right. So I was Halliburton Brunson, Team USA. Yeah, Brunson's OG like twenty-seven Siakam, a game. Uh, you know, former teammates. It's the hard-nosed defense against the great-looking offense. 
Yeah, Thibodeau. Don't we just hate him? Shouldn't we hate him? <laughs> Can Tyrese do the choke towards Something? Spike Lee tonight? Yeah. yeah, that's what that's what needs to happen. The Knicks need to be up. You know, what else seven seven with fifty seconds to go, and then Neesmith hits a three, and it's a steal, and Halliburton hits a three. I was listening to a podcast by Amin Al uh, Hassan, who used to be uh, he's with Levitard Show and everything else. He used to be with ESPN uh, and everything else, and and he's good. He was in the front office for a couple teams, including the Phoenix Suns. He thinks. This is the best. Going back to that, remember the Carmelo Anthony team that they just put like Jason Kidd and a bunch of like older players around him. Do you remember that team? Is when they they won over sixty games, well, I believe, the that year. Beat them in the second round one year when Hibbert blocked Mello at the rim. Um, it was one of the it was one of the it was one of the Mello it was one of the Mello three matchups. Yeah, it was one of the Mello teams. And he says since that team, this is the best team. He thinks this is the best Knicks team in the last like two decades. Just because, you know, they got rid of R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, who were kind of more guys that you would see fit with what maybe Rick Carlisle's doing with the Pacers, a little bit more free balling, if you will, free will on the court. And they got a guy like OG Ananobi who is fitting into more of their system. That's why they've been good, and that's why even with injuries, they feel like they've been good. I I just, yeah, I mean, New York has always had kind of like the flashy team uh, or whatever. You know, now they have like the hard-nosed team, which you know New York fans always like. I could see, listen, if something juicy happened tonight, I could see that happen well, in the next year or so. Think back to a month ago when we had the ball sure. game, remember? Sure. Uh, Pacers-Bucks. <laughs> I was talking to Bucks a buddy lost of mine, last night again, by the way. And he was like, boy, I'm all for like spice and I'm all for a rivalry, but I'd really like it not to be Giannis. You know, like okay. w- 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 when all sure. the Pacers Bucks yeah. drama happened. Yeah, I'm I feel fine like with Pacers Knicks is a little safer. You know, I, I don't. We Julie, don't care about Bucks fans. Julius Randle's not keeping me up at night. I mean, fine player. Jalen Brunson's not keeping me up. At, like Giannis in a seven game series, he, he'll keep you up. I still don't want to see that. Yeah, but also Bucks fans aren't New York fans. Bucks I'm, fans are Bucks fans. They're right. not New York fans right. as well, they, and that's part of it. Yeah, the New York fans are easier to hate. Thousand percent. Seven thirty tonight. Pacers Knicks. We'll chat o- more Obi about Top that. and revenge game on I'm the, o- on right the other side. Obi Top. <laughs> Obi Top. There you go. Madison Square Garden. We'll see about the tribute video again. Scott yeah. Agnes had some, I think, positive Halliburton news, contractually related. We'll explain that. He's going to join us coming up at eight thirty. More Purdue talk with Brian Newbert from Golden Black at nine, and a cool All Star event we'll share with you, courtesy of local product, former Super Bowl participant Sheldon Day. He's going to join us coming up in the nine o'clock. Hour. It is wake up call with KB and Andy. A little Colts chatter on the other side. All right, hanging out with you in the drivehubler.com studios. Eight o'clock hour here on the wake up call on the fan. Reminder coming up in about a half an hour. Scott Agnes will join us. We'll talk some Pacer basketball. We'll give you some Tyrese Halliburton sound here in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, or so. Brian Newbert going to join us. Goldandblack.com following him. My man Brian. So I, I started following him like a couple weeks ago. And he tweets like 300 times during a basketball game. <laughs> so I did I didn't go back. I'm like, if I miss a play, uh, I know Brian is going to be on top of it. And then Sheldon Day, a uh, local guy here, he's going to join us at 9.30. And uh, he's got an event coming up, uh, what, next week, right? Yeah, and we're going to start to All-Star get weekend. into a little bit more all-star focus oh, yeah. here with February upon us. I mean, what, two weeks from tonight is honestly probably when some activities will begin. I would think that Wednesday, Thursday of all-star week oh, yeah. is when you'll start to get some stuff. And I know there's when a lot it picks of questions up. about, okay, what can we attend? And, and I say we because if you look at the price values for you know the All-Star game itself or even Saturday night on the secondary market, um, 
it gets very pricey, very out of range for a lot of people very quickly. So Shell Today has got an event that I think um, a lot of people will enjoy. So uh, the former Super Bowl participants, 49ers Chiefs, we're going to see here in a week and a half. Sheldon Day was on the field for a lot of snaps in that previous Super Bowl uh, between these two teams. He's going to join us coming up at 9.30. Yeah, and one other thing just to throw out there. Uh, I usually don't do this, but uh, our guy Matt Bear across the hallway, WIBC, you know, when we had bad weather, we were kind of giving weather updates and traffic updates. There is a, a big wreck on Shadeland and 33rd right now. Uh, so if you're out there, this is about four minutes ago. Many lanes are shut down. A pretty serious accident. Again, Shadeland and 33rd Street. Watch so, out the east side today. Yeah, so I'm just throwing that out there. I just saw him retweet that. I didn't know people in the listening area. I thought you were going to say that around. the sun is out. That, that was the well, breaking it was two news day, it was you two, were going to Two share. days ago, the sun was out for like 30 minutes, and I was like, I almost grabbed the dogs. It's like, we're going on a walk. Like, we're going to walk around the yeah, block. I was going to call, gonna, I was gonna gonna call a, local, a local golf course and see if it was open. I haven't used my sunglasses. I have very sensitive eyes, KB. I've not used the sunglasses now uh, for many, many days. Uh, Colts conversation. You take it away. Uh, you have like five articles up right now on the end of the season with the Colts. We're in this kind of, uh, we're kind of this in between. Are, are we not? It's like a haircut. When you get a haircut, it grows out a little bit, but you're not ready for a haircut. We're not yet to the NFL draft. The Super Bowl's next week, but there's still Colts stuff to talk about I would say the quietest January I can remember for the Colts and as expected we didn't think it would be a newsy January for the Colts and indeed it was not right now Chris Bauer Shane Steichen at the Senior Bowl in Mobile Alabama the Senior Bowl actually this year allowing some underclassmen to participate in that game it's it's certainly a big event for the Colts they have made that very abundant with their draft history I think 26 Senior Bowl guys they've drafted uh, in the seven years of Chris Ballard, last year, nearly half their draft class, six of the 13, were Senior Bowl guys. And in particular, you know, Michael Pittman Jr., ironically enough, was a Senior Bowl guy. But before the season started, Andy, I laid out like six answers the Colts need to find. And, you know, when you say something like that, they don't have to all be, and it's probably far-fetched to expect them all to be the right answers. Uh, that's not necessarily... Uh, realistic expectations, but you need to find answers as early as possible, you know, with your roster because it helps you build and helps you plan out. Okay, where do you need to attack things moving forward? And if you put Anthony Richardson to the side, I would say one of the best answers the Colts found this year came from a former Senior Bowl guy in Bernard Ryman at left tackle. I think he's your left tackle of the future. I think he is a top ten-ish left tackle in this league. Um, and that is very, very important when you look at your building blueprint, you look at the premium positions, and he's a guy, Andy, on top of it all, the bonuses, uh, he's just making barely over a million dollars for oh, the next it, two years. It's, it's the Brock Purdy thing. So it's exactly that. that. Yeah, 100%. You know, I mean, when we think about the premium positions, it's like, damn, I'm paying that much for a left tackle, I'm paying that much for a corner, I'm paying that much for a wide out. You know, it starts to add up. Well, when one of those guys can be a middle third round pick, you feel really, really good about it. And I think Colts fans on the answers list, I laid out before the season, you've got two youngish guys at premium positions that you're hoping you're right on. One is Bernard Ryman at left tackle, and the other is Quiddy Pay at defensive end. I feel very good about Bernard Ryman at left tackle. I think you can cross off that need early in the draft. Yeah, I get Braden Smith's injury history and the contract and the age, and you know, at some point it's probably smart to look into a tackle, and it does sound like it's a pretty deep tackle draft. 
But Andy, that's not as pressing as it's been in years past, really ever since Costanza retired. Now with Quiddy Pay, I can't say the same thing with the same amount of confidence. Um, not at all. But again, with Ryman, I can. And that, I think, is really really important for this team. Yeah, so I'm looking at I'm looking at your article right now. I, I would say, and again, 1075thefan.com if you want to check that out. KB, again, just search. You got like seven or eight articles up there, uh, maybe more on the Colts. I, for me, here's where I feel good. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm just going to attack all of these. Uh, you mentioned Ryman. I would agree with you. I would even say offensive line as a whole and I know listen there there were some injury issues Braden Smith his contract his future his injury history now and or issues I understand that but I think for that unit for the most part it was no doubt a bounce back and there were even games of course you go back to the Steelers game where that you know they were able just to kind of run the ball down your throat and do what they wanted to do so I, I would say offensive line you had to feel cruddy last year, leaving last season, and you have to feel pretty good this sure. year. I mean, sure. You have to, and um, the price on your left tackle. Now, what's going to be interesting is you're going to be paying your left tackle and quarterback at like almost the same time, which is going to be fun for Chris Ballard to do. Or you know, within weeks it's a good or months, to have. it's a great problem to have. But right now, you know, we talked about it last week or Monday that, you know, striking now matters because of the quarterback position, Anthony Richardson. You see what Russell Wilson did in Seattle, how that was very prevalent in the analysis of that team back in the day, what Brock Purdy and the 49ers are doing now. So I I feel good. And then, you know, Quiddy Pay, I don't feel good about as far as, hey, he's a next level player. He's not. He is a rotational pass rusher. There's nothing wrong with that. He can be in the NFL for a number of years. But to think he's going to jump up there and kind of be one of those better players, I don't see it. But I would say, pass rushing wise, I feel pretty good about them. And I guess I feel good about them. And then I even feel better about them, given that they're in a scheme that doesn't help them at times get sacks and pressures. Does that make sense? Like, I almost feel like the sack numbers are overcoming some of the scheme stuff. Uh, that that's just how I feel. And then you know you didn't totally have this, but you look at Kenny Moore. Will he be back? I think I think I feel I'm like in the middle, but I'm towards feeling good about Juju Brents. And I know the end of the season didn't go. He had the hamstring injury. He got burned. You know, in in that final Texas uh, game against the Texans. But I think I feel good there. Um, I think I feel good about Michael Pittman, that he's going to be back next year. I just cannot believe they won't get a four-year deal uh, worked out with him. And then you mentioned Jonathan Taylor's future. They have him locked up. So they did, you know, they didn't hit 100%. You're never going to. But I think for the most part, they found answers at some places. And even if you say, okay, Quiddy Pay, let's use him and I hate to pick on him. He didn't hit you at least have more clarification on what you have there. And sometimes that's okay. If he's not going to be a next level guy, that's okay. You know what you have. And if you want to move on here, you're going to be able to move on in a year or so. You, you can know, do that. Again, with Quiddy Pay, uh, the first of first week of May, you have to pick up his fifth year option for 2025. You think so they'll do that? He's under contract for 2024. That fifth year option is 13. North of thirteen million. So I would not do it. I, I would not would pick up his definitely option. Definitely not do it. Um, I, when you look at that, 
price tag compared to other rushers in the league. That's a really high level. I'd kind of like to see Quiddy pay in a contract year and what that does to him. Um, you know, I I don't look at him and think he's not very individually motivated. I don't mean that, but just still, some guys just need a little kick in the ass like that of, hey, uh, you're not playing for your next NFL contract and your NFL future like that. To me, he's not earned that money. I'm not drafting a dude 21 overall, 22 overall, whatever he was, to be, you know, Jabal Sheard or, you know, to be whatever, John Simon, like, like just a, you know, a nice run defender and he picks up some, you know, effort sacks late in plays. If I'm drafting a dude in round one to be my defensive end, uh, I want consistent pressure, and, and that has not been there for him. But again, Ryman, to me, is an answer you found and you feel really good about. And we got into this debate a little bit around that Colts-Texans game, Andy, at the end of the season. I think 1-53, to the Colts roster probably has more quality depth. But when you look at just the top-end guys, Houston really can check the premium positions with C.J. Stroud at quarterback, with Nico Collins at wideout, with Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, with Will Anderson Jr. at defensive end, with Derek Stingley Jr. at corner. The Colts can't match that. They can't. Um, Ryman is a step in that direction and trying to better match that. You know, to your point, Juju Brents is a he's still a long ways away. I understand where he, you're coming yeah, from. He showed flashes. I don't feel bad about it, but I don't feel sure. I don't feel great about it like I would Ryman or getting Michael Pittman under contract right. or something like that. But again, you gotta take a big jump there, of course. Obviously, you gotta take a big jump at edge rusher and even wideout, even if you bring back Pittman and Houston's depth at wideout, you know, Tank Dell had a really nice season. I don't think it's eye popping, but they do have some other guys there. Uh, that certainly is an area where even bringing Pittman back, you can still take a big jump there. So, again, the Senior Bowl going on this week in Mobile. If you're looking for the next kind of big date, NFL-wise, Colt-centric-wise, uh, I would say two and a half weeks, Andy. February 20th is the first day you can toss the franchise tag out. That is a two-week window. So that will be during Combine Week. That's always a big kind of Combine storyline of will teams use the franchise tag, you know, how are they going to handle that? Uh, the Colts, again, they have not used it since Pat McAfee, a very unhappy Pat McAfee at Ryan Grigson for throwing that tag on him back in 2013. Uh, we'll see if Chris Ballard uses it coming up in a few weeks. By the way, we didn't talk about this. I think we did off air. Pat McAfee going to be on Monday Night Raw now. I mean, how many pay- that guy gets all the paychecks? How does so, that does that guy sleep? That's, that's a busy tax season for him. I have to imagine that's a lot of W twos. Does this Mark, guy ever fill sleep? me in on this? I thought he was. Did he take the football season off? So he was doing Friday night SmackDown for a while, and then yeah, I think his his schedule just got too crazy sure, with his show and then the, the college, college game, game day, day stuff. Yeah. Friday so he stepped be on away site at the college, but he's got a pretty good relationship with the announcer Michael Cole. And Michael Cole was on his show and said. We'd love to do one more run because he's getting up there in age. He'd like to do one more run with McAfee. They kind of switch up their announce crew. So on Monday, he came out and they said they don't know how long it's going to go, but he's doing one last run for the time being on Monday Night Raw. So every Monday from now until God knows when, Pat McAfee will be the, <laughs> the color commentator he's got on all Monday the Night paychecks, Raw. Man. And I'm Good assuming for him. we're going to see him, what, two weeks from tomorrow on the Celebrity All-Star Game, right? Yep. He's got to be a given for that. And Monday Night Raw coming to Indianapolis, so Pat McAfee will be McAfee's front got a great center. jump shot. Oh yeah. Have, well, does he? That's what yeah. I was gonna ask. He's got a great jump shot. When I was looking at him, like I don't know if I see him being no, he, very he, good he, at basketball. He, he's you know? a very athletic individual. Well, I mean, of course he is. The punt, pass, and kick stuff that he did. A great soccer player. I've played golf with him. He can play golf with him. He can swing it. It's kind of a name drop. I like that. Yeah. Back in the how'd day. you do? 
Uh, you, yeah, it was. Did you, did you guys have a couple pops going around? Uh, drink, uh, drink cart girl, walk up and say, "Here you go." It's just a nice couple Mick Ultras for the guys. It's just a nice afternoon. Uh, do you over like Jonathan Grenard? Eagle Creek, uh, the, uh, the Texans Texas, dude. Yeah, so he, yeah. so he's he's an un, uh, the reason I ask is he's an unrestricted free agent. He had thirteen sacks last year, twelve and a half sacks yeah, last and, year. You know, he got I'm just hurt throwing late that out there, and that yeah. was a big deal against the. Or, I, like that's not someone Ballard will get, but we talk about it. Well, I mean, I, that's I a just, big free agent out there that could get thirteen sacks for you. And I don't know what Houston's you know cap space and pay structure looks like, but I would assume. Well, that, they have a lot. They have that, a lot of cap that, space. That they would yeah. resign him, uh, given that. Okay, uh, Tyrese Halliburton yesterday, and he was on with Jake and Jimmy. Great interview up on their podcast. Something that I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so feel free to tell me I'm an idiot. Bothered you a little oh, bit? Oh, no, by we'll, what we'll, we'll said? play this out. Okay, so he had two things. He talked about the minute restriction. We can play that here in a second. And then he talked, listen, he gave like a four and a half minute answer. So I, I, I couldn't really cut this right, but he talked about the 65 game rule. Okay. And one thing that Halliburton said was when it comes to the awards, that he's like, you know, Joel Embiid, he talked about Embiid for like two and a half minutes. He's like, Joel Embiid, if he only played 50 games, you'd still vote him MVP. And I disagree with that. I believe part of these awards, you need to award availability. Now, that's not like move the 65 game threshold aside, because I don't know if that's the right number. This is a very new thing that's been in not even a year now in the NBA. And now that's why we're starting to talk about it. But Halliburton did say that he's like, you know, if Embiid played 50 games, you'd still vote him MVP. The opposite. So I was listening to an NBA podcast yesterday. I was telling you it was Amin Al-Hassan. And one thing that he said was, that part of this 65-game threshold rule is unneeded because with things such as league MVP, the voters understand if a guy's playing 52 games or 49 games or even 55 games, that they automatically in their mind say availability matters to us as well, that he's not going to be MVP. Does that does, does that yeah, make sense? Yeah. Did and they I, kind of self-check themselves at the door that availability means something? I'm very torn on that, yeah, to be but, honest. But the problem with this discussion isn't things like league MVP, although that does matter. It is historic. If a guy gets a league MVP or if Embiid wins three, four league MVPs, that absolutely matters in how um, you know we, we love these players and uh, how much they are loved after they're gone and how great they are in the Pantheon, how, how we rank them in the history of the league. So I get all of that, um, but I actually think it's different and I'm wondering if they could have a different number for something like Halliburton's going through. Because what Halliburton is going through is, hey, I'm trying to get all of this money, right? Carlisle said this with us. He said, you know, Embiid, if he doesn't get an award, okay, it's bad. But Embiid has his money. Halliburton is just signing that contract, and I was trying to get that super max. So you're going to see that a lot. Uh, that kind of conversation, uh, Lebertard had that conversation yesterday. It's worked its way. I've seen a lot on Twitter, but there are two different discussions here. The discussion of MVP, to me, is not the same discussion of Tyrese Halliburton trying to get the Supermax and trying to get all the extra cash. And Those are two different things. Scott Agnes is going to join us in 10. He's got a little bit more on this, and, and it helps out Tyrese in something that he shared yesterday. I'll I'll let him bring that up when he joins us in about 10. This right here from Sean, and I appreciate this. He said he was listening to 
Ryan Russillo um, was saying on his podcast that the that 65 game threshold was somewhat tied to the TV deal pending. Hmm. In oh, that, sure. ensure the players sure. play. The media companies obviously want something in writing like that. Uh, I yeah, I am. And to be fair to Tyrese, he voiced his opinion, but also throughout his answer, he throws in the I don't know if I'm right. Like he he's like. This is my opinion on it, but I see the other side to it as well. I think it's a very difficult – we're hoping to get Adam Silver on here leading into the All-Star game. It's a question I want to throw to Adam Silver in that what do you do? Because – And it, where did that number come from? How did you get 65 as the number? If you are the Pacers, why the hell would you risk Tyrese Halliburton with a tricky hamstring injury on a February Tuesday night? That sounds idiotic. Like, I, okay, I, I feel bad for the fan from Bedford that drove a lot or Owensboro that that's, sure. this is their nearest sure, NBA yeah. game. That sucks. But if I am Herb Simon and Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan and Rick Carlisle, I'm thinking about a seven-game series against the damn Bucks. Right. More than I'm thinking about a Tuesday night against the Magic. So that's where I am very torn on it. Um, again, Halliburton certainly doesn't like the rule. He's called it a stupid rule. But I also sit here and think, What's well, give me an alternative I know. to try I know. and get away from load management? And again, trying to properly say that's load management and that's not—that's impossible to do. Yeah, and I think the NBA, you know, four or five years ago, got stuck with this is the only thing that people are talking about in our sport right now is who's not playing. I think they got into that right. probably well, about four or five years ago. And I thought Halliburton brought up, remember the Sixers game here? Well, that was what a week ago tonight, right? Oh yeah, Joel Embiid yeah. on a Thursday night scored seventy on Monday. He clearly gets hurt during the Pacers game. I remember jotting it down and thinking, I got to take out my phone here and, and, and put this down. I'm like, wait, he's saying in the game? There was four minutes to go in the second quarter. They were getting smoked at that point, and they were playing the Nuggets on Saturday. And Embiid clearly gets hurt and stays in the game. And I'm like, and honestly, I probably should go back and look. I'm like, was there like a 15-minute threshold he hadn't hit yet? Because remember, that's a part of it. Yeah, it was- Halliburton getting hurt against Boston back in January – he didn't play 15 minutes. So technically, that does not count as one of his 65 games. So I'd have to go back and look. Which I, I think is ridiculous, right? by the so way. It, if there's one thing I am strong on is you play whatever. You, if you try you, to play you start the game, the game and you game, get hurt. Right. You're playing the game. So it, it, that was, I thought, an interesting point that Halliburton brought up. Because if you've watched the Sixers play out West since then, Embiid's been hurt. And right. hasn't been able to give it a go. And when he tried against the Warriors, Jonathan Kaminga falls on him. And now he's walking to the locker room like... So it, I think it's a – I understand the premise of – I think it came from good faith and, like, we have an issue right now. Let's try to get a hold of it. But then you see it play out and you guys have that uh, – you have guys that are legitimately injured. I don't have a great answer for it. No. There are rules in society. <laughs> Here are HIPAA records. Like, <laughs> he's literally hurt. HIPAA. Remember that during COVID? You're violating HIPAA, Kevin Bowen. Do not violate Tyrese Halliburton's HIPAA. Let's play Let's play some of this sound real quick here. Here's Halliburton. It's a little long. Understanding the 65-game rule. I think this is some of, the, some of the quotes you were talking about. Obviously, it's frustrating. Um, I've made my comments known on, on how I feel about it. Um, understanding that this plan i mean i i also understand that this was put in plan put in place so that you know guys wouldn't load manage as much you know keep guys on the floor and i fully understand and i'm a supporter of that i mean at the end of the day i'm 23 years old if i could play 82 games uh, if i could play 48 minutes a game 
82 games a year, I would. Like, I love basketball. I love competing. I want to play as much as I can. Um, but, you know, I can't control being injured and kind of the freak accident that, you know, happened to me this year. Uh, so I really have no control over that. Um you know, so I think that it's due to, you know, what our what our league has been in the past, and our owners and uh, the league being frustrated by that, and that's completely understandable. Um, but I don't think that this plan was put into play to affect guys that are injured. I would agree. I would agree with him, I, and this is where I go back to: we we have rules in society a lot of times for the minority amount of people. The 10% affects the other 90%. And this is where I go back to Halliburton. You calling into WIBC during the break? (laughs) I I mean, don't you? Halliburton, unfortunately for him, is dealing with the sins of a few players and a few teams who, who did do this. Quite frankly, and you could argue Kawhi Leonard needed to sit those games in Toronto so he had enough to make it to the end of the season. And I hate just picking on him, but the sins, the sins, was it the sins of the father follow the son? Is that oh what? God, <laughs> dear Lord. A little bit of what? Like back in religion class well, in I high mean, school? Like, don't you feel that way that four or five years ago, and some this is organizations. Days of our lives. <laughs> the father, the son. Yeah, I don't know where the Holy you're going. Spirit. We were praying there if we were going soap opera at do a 2 show, p.m. Do a show prayer at 8.30. Scott Agnes is going to have more on this here in a few. He's going to join us. Uh, let's get into a morning check down, and obviously we'll start in West Lafayette. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. 105-96, that's your final last night as Purdue takes down Northwestern in overtime. Purdue scoring 24 points, by the way, in the five-minute uh, overtime period. was fantastic. 22 on the season, 9-2 and two in the Big Ten. Big player last night, Lance Jones. 33 minutes, 26 points in those 33 minutes. Here's head coach Matt Painter after the game on his star guard. He was so good down the stretch. You know, those threes, when they go up five or six, he was so good. They had us right there. Like, they, you know, if they can get a stop and then another score, which they were scoring every time. We were doing positive things. We just weren't making our free throws. So that was trying to, like, don't get away from what we're doing. We, you know, we're going to make them. But, no, Lance's those two threes he made there, you know, he just gives us an, another element. He gives us that speed and quickness and competitiveness, very, very competitive. But uh, I thought he made some huge plays for us. Then he made his free throws down the stretch. Yeah, I'll continue to say it. This, to me, is the missing ingredient. I, I think he is the catalyst. I think he is a huge, huge reason why I feel better about Purdue here in early February than I did this time last year. Again, outstanding individual performances everywhere. ED, 30, and 15. Braden Smith, the second most assists in school history, was 16. Fletcher Lawyer with the dagger and the celebration, not safe for work. <laughs> and a hat tip to Northwestern. Boo Booey. And Ty Berry, also very, very impressive in defeat. And really the star of the night was Chris Collins and the ejection. I, I could watch that 1,000 times over and over again. He needs to be honored by the Big Ten. Coach of the Week. It, it should be a new award that they give to. Uh, you, usually that coaches. goes to Fran McCaffrey. Like like they, they show the past yeah. winners and it's all Fran McCaffrey and a couple Tom Izzos. Uh, can we get Northwestern and Iowa on the schedule next week? Frank can hand that to Chris oh, Collins at midcourt. I would, I would put that on Peacock. The game. A great game. Great game uh, in Mackey. Much needed for Purdue and just holding serve, making sure they set up the early game of the year. The February game of the year in the Big Ten. That is Sunday from Madison. 
number two versus number six. Purdue right now one game and back of Wisconsin. Indiana State survives last night against Belmont. Very important for that. They also set up the Moval game of the year coming up Saturday, 6 p.m. from the Holman Center. That is a rematch against Drake. Much needed for Indiana State in that at-large resume. All right, a couple other items of notes. Mike McDonald, what do you know about the new Seahawks head coach? I I do think it's funny. I know two things, but go ahead. You go from 72 years old to 36 (laughs) years old, you think, yeah, we got more energy at head coach. I don't know if Mike McDonald's bringing more energy than Pete Carroll. He is, well, you're right. He is, though, the youngest coach now in the NFL. Finally, Sean McVay has been moved aside. Well, Gerard Mayo was my- the youngest for well, like two weeks, you know, You're right. He? You're right. Gerard Mayo had it for a couple weeks, and that's not the case. That's number one. Number two, low-key, and I wonder this, nobody wants a Washington job. Does anyone want the... I, I mean that. Does anyone want the Washington job? I am a little confused on that. Like, new ownership. You're going to have a new stadium in a few new years. New GM. New GM. You have the second overall pick. What what am I... I mean, they have not been horrific. Like, it, it's not like they... Yes, they haven't been great, but, like, weren't they in the playoffs just a couple years ago? It, it's... They, they are a... Okay, to use a JMV term, I consider them kind of a clown organization. Well, but they, yes, but, but they've Daniel got, Snyder's but no got longer a, here. But that's what I'm saying. They've got a lot of that out. But the clown is out. gone. Even if, even if you don't like Sam Howell, he is passable. Is he not? Like, well, he's not bot- He's not bottom five yeah, of the and, NFL. And don't even talk about Sam Howell. He doesn't need to be talked about in the interview process. You have the second overall pick. You can do anything you want. You can trade it. You can draft anyone you want but Caleb Williams. I, I, to me, I'm a little confused by it all. Uh, but certainly, we're going to get to the end of the coaching cycle. And no matter what, whether it's Ben Johnson, whether it's Mike Vrabel, whether it's Belichick, whether it's Bobby Slowick, whether it's Aaron Glenn, you know, only one of those names is getting the Washington job, if, if that. So... Uh, certainly, this coaching cycle has played out, I think, a lot differently than people expected here from an opening standpoint. So the final one, of course, is Washington uh, Pro Bowl skills competition tonight, if somehow people are bored with Pacers-Knicks. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Pacers-Knicks, on the other side, uh, Scott Agnes. He had some Tyrese Halliburton news from yesterday regarding the 65-game rule. We'll chat about that next with him. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. When I think of Scott Agnes, I think of Limp Biscuit and Nookie. Oh, the Red <laughs> Yankees, <laughs> Captain, you know Scott Agnes. <laughs> Those are the two that things the that uh, I bring together. We're rolling, 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 uh, rolling. I knew I you'd appreciate this. I this do. Intro, oh, you know I love it. Uh, Brian Newberg going to join us coming up uh, 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk some Purdue with him. A lot of Purdue today as they had the nice overtime. Big thrilling win last night in Mackey. More Pacers conversation. They get ready uh, tonight. It's the Knicks, 7.30. Our coverage here on the fan beginning at 7 o'clock, and Scott Agnes joins us here from Fieldhouse Files, and he does so on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Scott, good morning, sir. How are you? <laughs> good morning, but yeah, Limp Biscuit definitely not my flavor. <laughs> what is your flavor, if you don't mind me asking, Scott? I, I only know like I only know you from Pacer stuff. I know nothing about your life. So what is your what is your are you an OAR fan or what? What's going on? Are you a Bush fan? Uh, honestly. M- uh, and recently, in the last several years, a lot more the the new country. Your Thomas Rhett, Luke Bryan, all that. That's Morgan, kind of the route I you use. Morgan Wallen guy. Okay, absolutely. Okay, okay. Scott, I, I should you're say you're, you're a frequent concert goer, right? Is that fair to say? I mean, obviously you're a busy man, but you also don't miss the opportunity to catch a show here in Indy, do you? Absolutely. I think it's. I think I've found out, KB, that's working in sports. Concerts have kind of become my sports. That's my outlet. Sure. 
to enjoy. I like so, yeah, that. Yeah, I try to go to as many concerts whenever I get a free night. Do you have cowboy? Do you have an outfit? Do you have like a do you have cowboy boots? Let me start there. Do you have any cowboy boots? I, I do not. No, okay. I'm not right, that well, okay. No, but I do frequent <laughs> Ruoff. <laughs> Concert center up north, and, and a lot more coming downtown to White River this upcoming year. So White River is a great venue. Absolutely <laughs> love that venue, Scott. We've been teasing it all morning long with you. You had some news yesterday in regards to the sixty-five game rule with Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, care to share that uh, with our audience? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that's huge for Tyrese in particular, and, and just being the human element, you just feel for the guy, right? Because he wants to do everything he can to play. He's not been one of those players, uh, you know, do, and taking part in the load management and everything. And that's the big deal with uh, this new 65 game rule. And so in the last year, there was a new collective bargaining agreement. That's something decided and agreed upon by the owners and by the players. So everybody's in on it. And that means that players must play in at least 65 games to be eligible for the major awards. You're talking MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, All-NBA at the end of the year. And so for Tyrese, that's something we're already beginning to track here with, uh, you know, as we get to the second half of the season right now, is Tyrese has already missed 13 games this season that counts against his number. And so now moving forward, uh, he's got to watch the number of games he misses. And that's a a real challenge, I think, for both Tyrese and the Pacers, right? It's the conundrum of you want him to be out there as much as he can. You want him to also sit while he needs to sit to get it right and not rush back. Yet at the same time, only this year, if he qualifies for all NBA, it would trigger another 5% bonus escalator in his contract for the next five years that would basically be worth something like $53 million, roughly, just estimates because we don't know the true salary cap until it comes out each year. Now, what I learned here recently and reported is that the in-season championship game, the in-season tournament out in Las Vegas, it doesn't count for stats. It doesn't count against the Pacers' record. It doesn't help the Lakers' record. The stats basically mean nothing and are forgotten. However, what I've learned is that that game does count against Tyrese Halliburton's game's play total, which means he can miss one more additional game uh, in the aggregate here. So he has four more games to miss. Otherwise, it was going to be three. And the other game, I think, at the end of the year, and that's that's the only time it can um, be even considered, is uh, he, I think he could file kind of an arbitration, an exception for the game he got injured. Right. Because he played 13, 13 minutes and 29 seconds. And for two of the games, I know this is very complicated and deep in the weeds, but a player may play up to two games where he plays between 15 and 20 minutes a season, and that counts for this 65-game total. The point of that, of course, being we don't want you check in, play the tip off, and check out like Drew Holiday did uh, for for a bonus in his contract uh, several years ago. So mostly – to summer, summarize all of this, it's basically uh, this one additional game that Tyrese can count towards his record, and presumably that he continues to play the way he does. He would get voted in on All-NBA, and if he does that, it is a big deal towards his money. All right, I want to get to the Knicks and everything else. Just one more on this. You know, I- I've said that Halliburton, unfortunately, and Scott Agnes with us here from Fieldhouse fi- uh, Files following the Pacers on the Payless Liquors hotline. You know, Scott, for me... 
some of the sins of guys maybe four, five, and six years ago have caught up a little bit with guys like Tyrese Halliburton. And then on the flip side, this was collectively bargained. Uh, and then you throw all that in, and you know Halliburton's been consistent. Yesterday he was on with uh, with Jake and Jimmy, and, and he was right. He's like, this is for the load management people, not the people that actually get injured. And I've been injured. At the same time, for these awards and for extra money on top of a max deal, to me, availability does matter. Boy, there's a lot of gray area. It's a nuance conversation. I don't know if you said, okay, we're going to do something other than 65 games, what you would even do. What's your personal opinion on this? Because I'm not sure there's a right or wrong answer. Yeah, it's all it's all in good faith. It's all trying to gear it towards the fan and, and, and getting, keeping the players out on the court. And so when they show up to your town, you can, with a good knowledge, know that a player is going to be available and your ticket's worth the value that you're paying because those are not cheap. However, what I don't like is putting an arbitrary number. Like, how do we get a 65? That right. means you missed 17. Right. Why not 64? Why not 68? And in doing so, um, I, I think you're, the real threat here is what if your MVP is like your fourth choice? And all NBA is made up of a role player. Rather than all NBA should be your top 15 guys. That's three, three teams on all NBA. And so that's something that they're going to have to take a look at, I think, here, because, um, yeah, this, this is a real concern. And even more so, the other point in all this, too, is the All-NBA, which is voted on by the media, which is fine, but there's because we're probably the best at it, even though it's not perfect. There's no perfect system here. That's the other thing. But in doing so, the media, in voting Tyrese or not All-NBA, uh, essentially has a say in his contract. And nobody should have a say in somebody else's money. But I don't know a better system. That's the challenge there as well. Again, Scott Agnes is with us here from Fieldhouse Files. Scott, we are a week out from the trade deadline. When Pascal Siakam was traded here, I thought for sure we'd see another move by the Pacers. You know, kind of a log jam at the four position. You know, who knows about Buddy Heald's situation. The Pacers have said they like Buddy a lot. Of course, you know, when they expressed some contract talks with them, that was before the Pascal Siakam trade. Finances are a little bit different. Um, I guess where is your level of you thought another trade might happen and where is that level here a week out? Um, Should I have the same level of thought, you think, or would you be surprised at this point if they made another move? Well, yeah, it, it, here's the funny part is right now is right when trades generally start to happen. What just happened in the last month with Toronto, with the Knicks and the Pacers is the rarity there. Is usually deals do not get done until you close in on the last week or two before the trade deadline. So generally now you're going to start hearing talks and in real substantive conversations start to have rather than just guys and teams checking in with each other, seeing what happens and all that. Um, I don't, I don't, the sense I get is the Pacers are now aren't in any great urgency to make another trade. Um, but I think if they can find a way to get in on something, um, you might see that um, I, with Obi, you're going to have his rights with Buddy. Um, I, I think you, you're going to realize he's the, the Pacers and Buddy like the relationship and what they are doing. I just don't think they're, they're agreeing on the money for the future part. And with that said, you know that means Buddy was going to have to go find somebody else in free agency if he's if he does indeed hit the market. 
to pay him what he will, and will they? That's what what I don't know at this juncture. Um, so I, I, I guess right now I sit back and say I, I don't think the Pacers are forcing anything, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they get involved and, and find some kind of a deal because, again, this is where the front office is at their best. Scott Agnes with us here on the fan on this Thursday pay less liquors hotline. He's from Fieldhouse Files. So 22 minutes, uh, two nights ago, 22 minutes for Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Carlisle on here and even Halliburton on the fan and, you know, press conferences and everything else. They've all admitted, hey, hey, there's going to be a minute restriction. We're going to ease Tyrese kind of back in to everything. What do you make of the easing him back in? Uh, and what do you think happens tonight? You think he plays more minutes? You think they stagger those minutes? So perhaps if it is a close game in the fourth quarter, we see Halliburton and maybe not as much Andrew Nemhard. Uh, what do you make of what the Pacers are doing here as they try to play him and keep him healthy at the same time. Yeah, this is the plan, Andy, that I'm much more comfortable with. I was not comfortable uh, with with Tyrese playing 35 minutes in his first game cross-country in Portland. That one, I mean, him just playing 35 minutes a night uh, is tough as it is. Him doing that on his first game back from a hamstring injury, that was a little concerning to me. So I like the current plan. Kind of see what he looks like here for a week and, and go from there. I could, you know, realistically see this happening through all-star break and then reconsider where we're at. So go for the next couple of weeks uh, with this kind of minutes restriction, and maybe it can grow a little bit um, based on that um, and how he's feeling and how he responds. And also, though, keep in mind, tonight's the first night of a back-to-back, and as he said on the show yesterday, he's trying to play in the back-to-back. And to go back to our first conversation about right. – you know, his 65 games of load management, that, that's not him. If you know Tyrese and Benedict Mather and so many guys on this Pacers roster, it hurts them more. Buddy Heald especially, by the way. You tell them to miss practice, and they, they're going to do everything they can and go kicking and screaming not to. So it's, this is a tough conversation with Tyrese. I think he's acknowledged it. He's accepted it. Knows it's for him, his health, and for the team. And I think they'll probably keep in mind right about that 25-minute minutes restriction now you did raise a good point how about how you uh, allot those minutes can you uh, give up some minutes in the first half or early to to extend him late in games and I, I took that uh, last game as hey we need him to get us back in this game because they got down and then made that big run had a terrific third quarter um, and so I wonder how, if the game played out differently if he would be used in a different way there um, because you needed him to kind of help make that comeback and, and get back into things. But I think that 20, 25 minutes is about right. Getting Scott Agnes with us here, courtesy of Fieldhouse Files. Scott, I don't want to, I, I want to make sure that I speak correctly on behalf of you. So obviously feel free to disagree with this if I'm saying it wrong. But you felt like the Pacers had pretty legit interest in OG Ananobi. Obviously, I bring that up because the Pacers Knicks tonight. Um, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, both going back to the all or not all the trade deadline last year, so a year ago at this time, and and what the Pacers are saying afterward is, man, the the price was just so high. Like you're talking, and I'm saying this now, but they were you know talking about four and five first round draft picks that it would take was the general feel to get something like OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam one year ago. Then it went into the summer. Um, and there were more conversations. And then leading into that trade with the Knicks, uh, the Pacers had still had communication with the Knicks trying to 
get a deal done or anything. I'm not sure if it progressed to a serious or um, to the very end, but I know the Pacers were right there as a finalist trying to get OG Ananobi, and they end up getting Pascal Siakam instead. Again, Ananobi questionable for tonight with that right elbow injury. Yeah, if you just look at you know what the Knicks gave up, it, certainly player-wise, uh, Pacers gave up picks for Siakam. I, I'd be super curious to see just how rich uh, Toronto would have you know, called on on the Pacers. I don't, you know, like R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, I, those names just aren't as obvious to me on the Pacers roster. I mean, I'm sure they would have wanted one of Benedict Mathern or Jairus Walker, but, you know, again, Barrett Absolutely. and Quickly have accomplished a lot more in the NBA than those other two. Yeah, the, the guys in Toronto, I believe, were interested. Among them were Benedict Mathern, Andrew Nimhard, Jalen Smith, um, and Jairus Walker as well. Basically, all your any of your young guys – and for good reason, and they have a good outgoing player. Of course, they're going to try to push um, for one of those guys. And then in terms of tonight, too, while you don't have the national TV storyline, you do have a f- couple fun storylines, right? Of hopefully OG Ananobi playing for the Knicks. He's missed the last couple with a left or with an elbow injury, but him and Pascal going against each other. And then for Obi Toppin, this is his return home. He's both from New York, was drafted by the Knicks, played for the Knicks. It's his first time going back to MSG as an opponent. And I'll add the Halliburton-Brunson angle. I mean, two great young point guards, the Team Mm -hmm. USA aspect to it as well. Scott, I want to end with this, and I hope it's not too much of a bummer news or kind of a sad story, but I know you've given us some updates, and there's been some on social media uh, from Scott Pollard here in in recent weeks, and and I think it even dates back a couple of months. For those totally unfamiliar with this story, could you cue our audience in on it? Sure. Yeah. He he uh, is right now looking. Uh, he's on the heart transplant list, trying to uh, extend his life here. Uh, it's something he's explained that goes back and is within his family. His dad dealt with. Um, all this is genetics and such. And so he's not only on the transplant list here in central Indiana, but uh, other places as well. I think actually he's in Chicago right now. I think he posted uh, working on on that angle and trying to get on an additional list because you got to keep in mind he can't take just any old heart. Uh, He he being the huge man that he is uh, needs a big old heart to to extend his life right now and so this is something that's really been challenging for him over the last uh two three years and, and trying to just live and support his family and um you know find the energy to get around each day so we're rooting for him and hopefully he can and he can you know get that heart that he needs and and the ch- a transplant uh surgery type thing goes successfully but um yeah this is difficult for him and that's a reason you haven't seen him around the field house or anything like that here in recent years I don't. I'm not sure he, he can do uh, a ton of stuff, or has gotten out, or uh, had the energy to do a lot of that stuff. But I will say, from afar, it's been cool to see uh, one of his sons just absolutely crush it at football. I think he changed positions and Saw is now uh, seemingly scoring as he was every single game. It felt like this past fall. Yeah, up at Carmel, right? Yeah, that's right yeah, for the Greyhound. Yeah. So think about Scott and Don Pollard, and certainly their mm-hmm. entire family, as you said, Scott. Can't even imagine going through. That process. Uh, We covered a lot there. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse File. Scott, thank you, my man. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, guys. Thank you. That is Scott Agnes right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Mapping out the 9 o'clock hour. A lot of Purdue conversation coming up in 10 minutes. Brian Newbert probably had to be one of the cooler environments inside of Mackey, which is usually pretty commonplace. But that last night uh, was an outstanding college basketball game. And then a little NBA All-Star chatter. Cool event coming to Hinkle Fieldhouse uh, we'll do that with Sheldon Day, Eastside Pride of Sheldon Day, joining us at 930. 
Brian Newberg going to join us top of the 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk uh, some Purdue basketball with him. Quite the fun one last night in Mackey. Can I wrap up our conversation with one item with our with the Pacers real quick that I noticed, KB, that we haven't talked about in the 65-game debate or anything involving Halliburton or anything like that? I must say, I just ran across the hall to see if the sun was real. Okay, so you did And say- it is. Okay, so it is. It's out. So it's out? It's alive. Okay. She looks beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to run out the next break, or I'm not gonna see it. That song, the Sun Lin, will be Lynn Sun, uh, something to do with uh, the the artist Lynn. Am I am I right on that, Mark? The only Lynn I know is Steal Alex. Steal my Lin. sunshine by Lynn. Oh, Len. Yeah, L E N. Uh huh. You want that as rejoinder? Yeah. Will that make you happy? <laughs> that's I don't, Steal my sunshine. That. I don't request that often. Okay, but I was wondering. I will yeah. toss that in there. Okay, Pacers. I, I had sorry. no idea what you were. Sorry Lynn, to interrupt, Lynn, I had no idea. I was. I was thinking. Lynn. I just haven't seen it. No, since I know you haven't. I, of course. Thanksgiving. Well, I'm, I'm glad you saw. You probably get out of here at ten o'clock. You're not going to see it after that. Uh, just one thing. So Agnes mentioned you play the sixty-five games. And we've talked about the 65 games, and we've talked about now, as Agnes reported yesterday, we just talked with him about it, that that the game, the final game in the in-season tournament against the Lakers is going to count. Which makes complete okay? sense. Which makes complete sense. And, you know, the NBA threw this on the players. It makes all the sense in the world. It's the right thing. But he also mentioned you have two games where you can play between 15 and 20 minutes, and it counts as a game. You have two of those to play with. Tyrese Halliburton played 22 minutes the other night. Mm. <laughs> like, I mean, you know the Pacers are in on they, – they, they yeah. the, they're not trying well, to screw Tyrese over here. He played 22 minutes. Now, it's not 21 minutes. It's not 20 minutes in, in 10 seconds, but he needed to play at least 20 minutes so they didn't use one of those 15 to 20 minutes maybe just yeah, in case I, I he played 22 minutes. That. Well, I didn't either until he said well, it during the interview. How much do you think he plays Friday night? I guess, Well, I guess I'll start tonight. Tonight, do you think he gets to uh, 30? I think he gets to 20, like six, 27. Okay, and I, I think they add five minutes on. So you roughly. stagger a fourth quarter segment I, I in think, there. I think you see him in the fourth quarter. If it's a you know an eight to twelve point game in the NBA, that's a couple possessions down the floor. So yes, yeah. I I do think we see him in the fourth quarter tonight. You know, part of me would like to see it hover right around thirty, and he definitely play tonight. Like I think if you're gonna you know allocate your your poker chips to the next two nights, I want to see more at the middle of the table tonight than I want to see tomorrow night. Um, both are you know important games and good opponents, and I, I know I saw the Kings. I think did lose last night in Miami, but still, um, certainly this one matters. If you win tonight, Andy, you win the head-to-head over New York for the season. It's a three-game series. You're up 1-0 on them, so this is important, uh, very important. You play them. Oh, you can what? play them in the playoffs. And Easy. You play them 100 here next. Is it next week? Right? Don't you play them again? I think yeah, it, it's, it's it's right over. I need to look at it, but it, it's right over again. You play them, and then you, and then because we talked about that, how some of these really good teams, you'll be done with them by early, you know, to mid February. Uh, they play the Knicks Saturday, February tenth. Yeah, so in nine days. Yeah, so again, just a huge, huge matchup for this one, and I love to see the rivalry be renewed. And I think there's some reasons why it could be renewed between these two. Franchises. I don't know if you call Northwestern Purdue a rivalry, but for the second time this season, a hell of a game. Last night in Mackey, the man who was there and covers Purdue like no other, Brian Newbert, joins us next. 
Hallelujah. Is this it? It's like my uh, high school. I kind of feel like it's like early high school for Andy Sweeney. Is, is this the one you were thinking yeah, of? This is it, Mark Duncan. Okay. Thank you. This is like every like 90s high school movie opened with this song. 100%. American yeah. Pie. American yeah. Pie. Probably had it. Yeah. Literally, yeah. Every it's drive the in the beautiful wait. weather. Yeah. 10 uh, Things I Hate About trip, You. Road Trip, maybe. <laughs> road Trip uh, is a great movie. Look at us. Look at us uh, being out of what happened there. Look at us being old, talking about the good old days of American Pie. All right, let's dive into it. Nine o'clock hour, as always, here on the Wake Up Call. We're broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. Brian Newber joins us here from GoldenBlack.com. We're talking some Purdue basketball. He was in Mackey last night for Purdue's win over Northwestern. Brian, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Uh, we're fantastic. Thank you so much for carving out some time for us. I guess let's start at the end of the game. Chris Collins, the ejection, Brian, the the ejection, walking off the floor, pumping everybody up, the firm handshake with Matt Painter. Uh, I know you were right there. What did you see as all that played out at the end of the game after Purdue got the win? Well, this was actually the first time in I don't know how many years of doing this that I, I, I decided to leave my seat upstairs early. Oh, no. And go downstairs to not fight the crowd coming up the steps. So I was <laughs> oh, no. standing right there at the top of the tunnel. I didn't know what happened because I didn't see the far end of the court what was going on with Collins and the officials. I did see him come up the tunnel waving his arms at the students above the tunnel, um, kind of kind of kind of echoing their chants back at them and i i just it seemed like a bit of a scene uh obviously um but yeah he was obviously uh pretty upset about um i'm not sure what exactly triggered it because there was was no foul on the play that precipitated i i i, I didn't really know what set him off. I didn't know if he thought that the clock was going to run out and the, the game was going to end and he was going to go right after the refs and the game just didn't end. There was still 1.8 seconds on the clock, but um, it was quite a scene, obviously. That is one way to describe it. Pent-up frustration, to say the least, from Chris Collins. As again, Purdue at 105-96 in overtime last night in Mackey. Brian, you've seen a lot of games in that arena. I guess, to me, that was just an awesome college basketball game. Both teams, great, so yeah. many individual performances. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe it's an unfair question, but w- where would that one kind of rank for you in terms of not only the atmosphere, but I think more than anything, again, just the amount of individuals that seem to flourish in that environment? Yeah, it's a little early in the morning for me to rack my brain for 20 years of games, but uh, I think that was certainly right up there. I mean, what Northwestern was able to do from a shot-making perspective, I mean, Purdue was 10 of 21 from three-point range and didn't win that category. Um, because Boo Booey and Ty Berry just kept making shot after shot after shot. Uh, you know, Purdue obviously made huge shots too, and um, it was just a really, really big-time shooting performance by two teams that were just damn good offensively. And uh, that should be the story after the game. And, you know, obviously it got kind of hijacked by, by Chris Collins afterwards, talked about free-throw differential, you know, things like that. But the shot-making in that game was as high level as you're ever going to see in college basketball. No one covers Purdue like Brian Newbert. Again, Golden Black uh, on three is where you can find Brian's work. He's with us here and appreciate the time after a late one at Mackey. Brian, I, I've really ever since day one have just loved what Lance Jones gives this team on both ends of the floor. Do you think the staff of Purdue is surprised by how much he has given them? I mean, like he has been, uh, his play's gone to another level almost in the Big Ten. Do you think they are surprised at all by how much they've gotten from him? Well, I think 
they expected him to be sort of a final piece of the puzzle type of player. I think they really expected him to be a high impact guy. I don't know if they expected him to be their second leading scorer. I didn't I don't know if they expected him to necessarily you know, be that guy who made enormous shots yesterday in an enormous game and uh uh he's been doing that all season. Uh I think they expected him to give them a secondary ball handler that was really gonna help them offensively. I think they expected him to be a really important defensive piece for them. As an on-ball defender, I think they expected his experience to matter. But what they've gotten, in addition to those things, has been a guy who has really made them a better offensive basketball team with his scoring potential. He's not a leading scorer, but he carries himself like one. And I think that really matters for a team that sometimes just needs somebody to make a play or just make a shot as somebody playing off the ball. Uh, he's been unbelievable at that for Purdue all season long. But also, I think his personality has been something that's been really valuable for Purdue. I think that uh, kind of the the excitement, the charisma, the joy he plays with has been a really valuable chemistry piece for this team and something that has really really endeared him to the fans too. And that's sort of what, what college basketball is all about. And that's something that's getting lost with some of these COVID year portal guys. Is They're just kind of there for a year. They're just kind of mercenaries. It's been kind of the exact opposite with Lance Jones. He's really ingratiated himself to kind of the Purdue community, and they've really responded to him. And he's, he's just he can't say enough about what he's he's brought to this team, taking it from one level to another. Talking to some uh, Purdue basketball winners last night over Northwestern. Brian Newbert joins us, goldandblack.com. He does so on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, I've always said, Brian, and I know we haven't met, but I've, I've always said on the radio, you know, when you have a team that's this good, uh, the big picture stuff, we know what it is with Purdue, but now it's like nitpicking things, right? Because you're trying to go to the Final Four and win a national title. Last night, uh, free throws. And he got to overtime the free throw shooting. You know, they should have won that game by more points and should have probably in regulation. They're 186 in the country at free throw percentage. Does that bother you at all, uh, whether last night or big picture with this team at all? Uh, I, I wouldn't say so. I think that, you know, their body of work before last night showed they're a pretty good foul shooting team. You know, Zach Eady has been a 75% or thereabouts guy all season long. He's just kind of in the middle of some ups and downs here. Um, I think Trey Kaufman ran getting to the line and going one for five. I think he's one of Purdue's, one of the guys that Purdue's isn't one of, sorry, I lost control of this. Uh, he's one of, he's one of the guys who's not one of Purdue's best foul shooters. We'll put it that way. Um, but he, he had been doing pretty well lately. He puts a ton of time into it and um, he just had one of those nights and, you know, Braden Smith missed back-to-back foul shots, and he's one of the guys you absolutely positively want at the foul line. I think that Purdue's okay at the free-throw line. I think they're fine at the free-throw line. I think last night was just one of those nights. and I think that you're absolutely right that, uh, you know, Purdue misses 17 free-throws, I think, in the game. And if you just miss 12 <laughs> instead of 17, you know. You win the game, yeah. This game plays out very, very differently. Um, so no, I, I I wouldn't think it's an an enduring deal, but you know Purdue has to get its kind of kind of collective rhythm back here. Again, it is uh, Brian Newbert with us here. Uh, I love the bio of writer, editor, and insufferable blowhard for GoldenBlack.com. Again, no one covers Purdue like Brian. Um, 
We're about a month and a half away from Selection Sunday, Brian, and it's a great problem to be in, or I guess it's a great position to be in. There's no debating where Purdue's going to be. They're going to be on the one line. They're in all likelihood going to be the number one overall seed. If Purdue fans see the bracket unfold in front of them, what do you think worries them the most, team style-wise, player style-wise? Like, What is the type of team that you think could give fans some pause if you remove just the you know element of, oh my gosh, any mid-major is going to worry them? Well, I think you kind of saw it last night, not to call Northwestern a mid-major, but a team that can spread you out and really get on a heater from three-point range is, is something Purdue kind of struggles with or can struggle with from a defensive perspective. Um, I think if the game can be really physical and uh, not called tightly, I think that's something Purdue can that, that can give Purdue problems. But you know, to be honest with you, Purdue is so good offensively, it is hard to envision scenarios where they're not going to be able to outscore people, um, even if things go sideways on them from a defensive perspective against a, a difficult matchup. I think. You know, Purdue has a certain baseline here from a rebounding perspective. Uh, from an offensive perspective, they've been a really good three-point shooting team all year long. There haven't been those bottoming out games like there were last year. Uh, so I think Purdue's pretty – I think their winning formula is pretty, pretty airtight here. Uh, you just worry about those outlier shooting games. Uh, you worry about turnovers more than anything. When Purdue has struggled this season – it's been directly correlated to turnovers. It cost them that first game against Northwestern. It contributed heavily to the loss at Nebraska, as did another outlier shooting game for uh, for the opponent. Um, but it's just the turnovers that Purdue's got to keep to a minimum here. That is the, the single biggest existential threat to their their ability to win. And uh, you know sometimes it pops up at the wrong time. Not that there's ever a great time for it, but it, it's kind of the one thing that can really cost Purdue. Um, game at the wrong time all eyes now on sunday afternoon from the cole center it is certainly the february game of the year in the big 10 we'll see about wisconsin they've got nebraska on the road tonight we know what can happen oh, that's there, tricky but that's that tricky. Is tricky certainly but number two versus number six coming up uh on sunday afternoon brian love your work always appreciate you hopping on with us and uh, hopefully we can do it again here uh sometime this season no problem, guys. Anytime you need me, call me. That's a great Brian Newbert right there. Golden Black on 3.com. You look at Wisconsin this year, Andy. Eight wins in the Big Ten, six of them by double digits. Like, I, I don't know if sneakily is the right word because they're ranked number six in the nation, but they were not expected to be this at the start of the year. This might be a dumb question because the answer is probably, Kevin, it matters to both teams a whole lot. Let's assume Wisconsin wins tonight. Okay. Okay. Wisconsin has one loss in the Big Ten. Purdue has two. The rematch is in Mackey to close out the year, if I'm not mistaken. Or it, it, it is. It's a final game okay. of the season. That last week of the season is always awesome with matchups. Does it mean more to Purdue Sunday because they're one game back in the standings or to Wisconsin because they're the home team? <sighs> Or just tell me to shut up and say Kevin. No, it means I mean I would think it would. I would think it, it does. It would, mean it would, yeah, it does. I would say the home team it matters more because you always feel like it's more difficult winning on the road. Where I thought you were going to go is like 
How I know Purdue fans care. I mean, how much you care about winning the Big Ten? You could still win the Big Ten tournament, and you're probably right, going to be a one right. seed even if you were yeah, second it, in the Big Ten uh, to Wisconsin. I mean, That's where I thought you were going to go. Ask that to Gene Cady. He probably gives a different answer <laughs> well, than I would give. I, 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 uh, I know. That's Purdue fans, as they should. They hold the Big oh, Ten. Oh, they want to win the Big Ten. And, and those championships in high regard, of course, when you've had the March Issues that you've had in the last few years, uh, they'll happily take a second place in the Big Ten if they can punch their ticket to Phoenix here in early April. Just a couple other things from last night for those that might have missed our conversation earlier today. Um, It's a little thing, Andy, and I know you, it's something you jotted down, but I just loved when Lance Jones and Fletcher Lawyer got two fouls in the first half that Matt Painter kept them in. And didn't play the, nope, you're sitting right here next to me and Paul Lusk and Terry Johnson and you're not moving. <laughs> you're going like, to think about those right, two fouls exactly. for 15 no, minutes. you don't need to ground them. <laughs> they are, how many years has Lance Jones played in college basketball? Hell, how many minutes has Fletcher Lawyer played no kidding. in his first two years? Uh, get them out there. You know it's a big, big game. And I thought that was an important part of just helping Purdue maintain their lead, build the lead. Um, and, and just overall, what a damn great college basketball game. I mean, I said it to Brian, the amount of individuals that seem to just grow brighter with the lights. I mean, Purdue gets down five after Boo Boo. He just bangs one home over Edie. Great pass to Barnheiser to take the lead. And next thing you know, Purdue's down the floor. And there's Lance Jones hitting a three to cut it back to two. And then Edie made a couple big plays. Lawyer has the dagger. Brain Smith sets a nearly a school record. Second most assists in school history with 16. So many guys were just incredible last night. Yeah, to me, to me, uh, Brain's one of those guys that, I, I don't know, when you're not scoring, sometimes you lose track of stats. And I know Hummel talked about it a lot during the game. But you do look up and you're like, Oh yeah, he he has six points and oh that's whatever he's three or whatever shooting, uh, but he's you know got ten assists at this point. You know it's like oh I didn't remember that. Like he just he fills a stat sheet. He's a quarterback. He's yeah, a quarterback he just peppering targets and he knows where everybody is on the floor. Wisconsin Nebraska. What do you think the spread is tonight? Again, the game is in Nebraska. What do you think the spread is? My guess is Wisconsin is favored by four and a half. Wisconsin's favored by one and a half mm. right now. Your over-under is at 144 and a half. What's our over-under on Tony Naga threes? <laughs> Three That's and a half. great point. Well, Two from the volleyball I would, line. I would, have to, I would have to look that up. He is averaging, uh, I, he's only averaging, I looked him up, only 14 a game, which seems like nothing given that every time I've seen him play. Like, I'll give you a great, for instance, the last two games, Ohio State, he scored five. And Maryland, he scored seven. God, Purdue and, and IU I, fans and, yeah, don't want to hear that. And I that. feel like if they played <laughs> IU tonight, he would score 27. Oh, my gosh, yeah. He the, would have 25 points tonight if he were playing Mike Woodson. Six threes against Purdue the second time they played. I did see some IU fans that were like, oh, Purdue's missing free throws, too. Is that Mike Woodson's fault? I'm like, just chill. <laughs> I think Purdue's, Purdue's earned lost sl- two games. Slightly more benefit just of the chill. doubt. Just chill. Uh, shout out to the great. One of my favorite individuals, oh Kyle Klein, the brother of Ryan Klein, Purdue legend, of course. He chimed in here and said, that overtime atmosphere was wild. Loudest crowd I have ever heard in person. I'm going to assume wow. Kyle saw his brother play a whole lot in college. I, I, so I'm surprised by that. That's a few people that have said that. Pretty I'm not, great atmospheres yeah. he has seen, and to say that about last night. And we mentioned it earlier. Uh, Purdue does the little decibel meter. You always oh, yeah. wonder how yeah. accurate that it's is. It's got a sponsor next to it. For yeah. what it's worth, they did say after Fletcher Lawyer made that dagger three to ice it, and again, the nice Sam Cassell reaction, 
That was the loudest Mackie has ever been. You know, for a six thirty tip for Northwestern. Yeah, I I, I would agree. I'm I'm surprised. Love that those six thirty tips. Continues oh. to be the universal. Yeah, we had to go. Uh, we had Daniel Tiger on the TV. Oh I boy. Had to, uh, I had to consume the game via the phone. <laughs> oh, you had to go with the phone. There is Grand Pair, <laughs> aka Tyrese Halliburton. Grand Pair. Do not use your wiping I, away sniffles on Daniel. Do not Tiger use your and, computer. A little bit bigger screen uh, than your cell phone. There is a meme. Bulky thing with Rosie and Max. There is there is a meme of you know a seventy five inch TV. You know dads who get the seventy five inch TV to watch the big game and you know Peppa the pig or whatever the hell is oh, on I it. I love Peppa. While, uh, George Pig. While uh, while you're watching the game on your little. Phone that there. happens. You have to go out to the garage and get a TV set up in there. Or if something. we lose oh, yeah. Susie Sheep, it's a little DefCon in our house uh-huh. on that end. Susie Sheep is with Peppa the Pig, yeah, or is Peppa's it great okay? Friends. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, the, we've avoided the people Peppa that make the pig these. In, in the Dykeman house. I don't know how you did that, Mark. Oh, it's actually a pretty good show. I mean, it's I'm not surprised, blue, but it actually is pretty good. I'll, I'll answer my own question. Okay. For, for Brian Newbert, um, bracket pops up at mid March Sunday. You don't want to see the small, quick, skill guards. I mean, that to me, you know, is more than the. Let's say there is the six eleven, two hundred thirty pound, highly effective post player that whatever could maybe somewhat give Edie troubles. No, I, I don't go there. I shouldn't say Edie troubles, but whatever. Instead of thirty and fifteen, it becomes twenty two and ten. Uh, that's not where I go. I go, and there's not many guys like him. I mean, he is a great college basketball player. I don't know if it's hyperbole to think. I don't think it is. He probably should be on an All-American team. He's the second-best player in the Big Ten. Boo Booey does not grow on trees. And thankfully for Purdue and a lot of college basketball teams, but that's the that's the skill set because you saw it there in the final few minutes. What did Boo Booey do? Lance Jones, you're guarding me. Ethan Morton, you're, you're guarding me. Bring the offensive player that has Zach Eady guarding you to me. I'll pick and roll it, and boom. You give me a little bit of space, and I hit the three. I mean, that three he hit in front of Chris Collins. I mean, that was the deep kind of. Oh, wing I thought they were going to win. I of, thought he hit that. Northwestern might win this and game. Then the next possession, yeah. Edie now comes out a little bit more, and that's when Bowie then kind of probes around him, finds Barnheiser. They're up five. Like you see this all the time. Honestly, the iconic one that I think of back and speaking of watching games off a computer, I remember watching this at a class at uh, IU when I was a student. It was the noon Big East tournament. Shout out to Anderson's own Gary McGee. It was Kemba Walker. Oh, yeah. When they went on their run. Oh, yeah, the step back. He gets Gary McGee from Pittsburgh on the step back. It had to have been three times in the final minute. I almost fell out of my chair (laughs) on one of them. But that's what these guys do. The little guards try to get the big isolated on you and see what they can do. Again, that element, that's what you want to try and avoid. And, you know, as I looked at that Bob Cousy award list and laughed at Braden Smith not being on it, there are some point guards, Andy, that aren't in that mold. They're bigger point guards. They might not be as quick and shifty as that. I think Purdue is better equipped to handle that style than they are, again, a guy like Bowie. And, and Brian brought it up. Ty Berry, the other guard for Northwestern, he was great too early on, hitting shot after shot. That certainly kept Northwestern in it early. Yeah, I think you know, Barry was looking for some fouls. I think when you look at, hey, where's Collins frustrated? Uh, probably the amount of free throws that those two guys, Bowie and Barry, shot. Now, I'm just looking at two things here, and then we'll get to a morning check down. Sheldon Day going to join us here uh, in about 10 minutes. Purdue, okay, I, I'm going to ignore the 16 seeds because, you know, it's North Carolina Central. It's Southern 
I don't know anything about those particular teams. The 8-9, again, I'm looking at Bracketology. I'm looking at Joe Lenardi of ESPN. Has, for instance, St. John's and Memphis Uh-oh. would be the 8-9 would be, would be game. Now, Ricky P, I don't think his guards are good enough to where he can. Now, in other years of St. John's, I think they will be. But right now, his guards aren't good enough to where they can kind of press the Purdue guards. I think Purdue would break that press. I really do. And they have a couple bigs, but nothing that could nothing that could stay uh with uh with with obviously Edie. In Memphis, I, I need to look up if Memphis lost last night. Memphis has been on an did. absolute uh tear the wrong way. I mean they have been they've been bad. I'm trying to look that up right now. They were down big at one point was Memphis last night. So uh they're an abject failure right now. They were a top twenty five team. Like yeah, four they, games ago, they were a top 25 team. I was going to say, I thought they were even hovering higher than that in the polls. So, uh, yeah, if you look, by the way, for our Butler faithful out there, I think Lenardi had them as the last team of the next four out. So if you add up he did. those teams, that'd be what, the eighth eighth team out, correct? Yeah. They're out on so, the first four out. No, they're the, the last the team on the four next out, four out. Villanova, and by the way, I don't think Vill- they beat Villanova and Villanova, I, I think Villanova's not anywhere close. I can't believe they're even on the first four out. Cincinnati, I, I don't think they'll make it. Washington State and Gonzaga, then the next four out, what you're talking about, Oregon, Kansas State, Florida, and Butler, it's just worth mentioning, um, Florida got a big win last night. Huge, they went on the road huge. and they beat Kentucky, and that is going to be a, a quad one win all season for them. Beautiful thing for Butler. You get it tomorrow night at Creighton. You get it next week at UConn. You've got a lot of them in February waiting your way. But again, as we said to Thad Mata or kind of around that conversation last week, Butler's got to pluck multiple of these. They need several of these here coming up in February. But again, great thing about the Big East this year is you get the opportunity here given that schedule. All right, uh, as Andy said, Sheldon Day is going to join us here, the former Warren Central Notre Dame Colt product, played in the Super Bowl, 49ers Chiefs. Fun event uh, for you to check out here during All-Star Week. So he's going to join us in a few to chat about that. Before it, it's morning check down it. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. All right, we've talked a lot of Purdue again. 105-96, your final Purdue 20-2 on the season, 9-2 in the Big Ten. They wait until Sunday, 1 o'clock CBS at Wisconsin. Should be a fun one there. Quickly, Indiana State winners last night, 78-72 at Belmont. That was a survive in advance right there. Belmont was up eight at halftime, a big second half. Uh, outscored the Bruins by 14. Indiana State now 19 and three. They're 10 and one uh, in the conference. But let's go to the NBA. Tyrese Halliburton and company tonight on the road in New York, taking on the Knicks. Our coverage beginning at seven o'clock right here on the Fan Tip Off at 7:30. Halliburton yesterday was on with Query and company, and he talked about feeling good, hoping to be back again. He's referencing tomorrow. That would be today. This interview was yesterday. Here's Halliburton on his status and playing time going forward. I feel good this morning. I think that was the plan, uh, hence why there's a minute restriction put in place, is that, you know, you hope that you, you know, ice, get your treatment, whatever, wake up in the morning and feel good and be ready to go. So uh, I feel good this morning um, waking up and moving around and 
be ready to go against the Knicks uh, tomorrow. And, you know, my goal is to play in the back-to-back with the Kings the next game. And um, I think that if I can show that I can get through three games in four days, that that's encouraging to our medical staff and, um, you know, will help the minutes restriction move along. Be very curious to see about Benedict Matherin tonight. Again, the toe injury. He did not play on Tuesday. Officially him, Miles Turner, TJ McConnell, and Halliburton. All listed as questionable. Of course, the expectation is some, if not all of them, will play. For the Knicks, no Julius Randle. And OG Ananobi has missed the first two games this week. Uh, He is listed as questionable. So the Knicks could be down two of their top three. Something to keep an eye on. They are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. It is kind of offense versus defense in Tyrese Halliburton and the Pacers. Number one offense in the league. Knicks officially number two, but they've even taken it to another level since the Ananobi Arrival. 7.30 tonight, 7.30 tomorrow with Sacramento here at GameBridge. All right, a couple of other note items. Mike McDonald, the new head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, the youngest head coach in the league at the age of 36. So they stick with defense. They go a whole lot younger than Pete Carroll there. That leaves one opening, and that is the Washington Commanders. Andy Sweeney, if I put you on the spot oh. and said give me one name. All right, I got it. I think they go. I think they settle. I think they go. Eric Bieniemy. Ooh, promote from within. I think they promote Ooh. from within. I, I, otherwise, has I he even interviewed for the job he, yet? He has. Okay. He interviewed for the job. I don't know if he's interviewed this second time. But Dan Quinn. I view it as no one wants that job, and I, 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 I understand. We had this argument earlier. I understand because they've been a mess, and I also don't understand because they are going to get a new stadium. They do have new ownership. They the do have a the general manager. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They do have a new GM, new ownership, and they have the number two pick and a bunch of other picks with the tra- with the trade they made with the Bears, the yep. trade they made with the Niners, with Chase Young. So they kind of have a war chest of picks, but they also have been a disaster for decades. And so how you deal with that, I have no idea. But seemingly no one wants – I mean, both of Ben Johnson, all these guys could have had that job. So again, one opening left. Kind of unusual that we get to February 1st and just one left, and it doesn't appear anyone in the Super Bowl is necessarily a candidate for this gig. All right, on the other side, we mentioned it earlier, Sheldon Day, Indy's own. It's got a great event coming up here during All-Star Week for us to check out. He will join us next. All right, usually we'd have our pop quiz. We'll push that back about 15 minutes or so, so we'll see how we do. Did pretty good yesterday, KB, if I'm not mistaken. I never remember the gentleman's name, but he did a good job. Got three or four right. Like so Tom, that ah, Maybe right? that was it. So we'll uh, we'll do that coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. All right, so we are quickly approaching uh, NBA All-Star Week weekend, however you want to put it. There are a ton of events going to be all over the city of Indianapolis. And to talk about one of those events, a local guy, an Indianapolis guy, a Warren Central guy. KB loves him because he was a Notre Dame guy. Uh, An NFL player, Sheldon Day Day joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Sheldon, good morning, man. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing awesome. I appreciate y'all having me on. How y'all doing? Man, we're doing fantastic. I was going to ask you about uh, about the event. We'll get to that here in a second. But, I mean, Kevin, do you want to ever live uh, any Notre Dame Oh, Sheldon doesn't games? need to hear this from well, me. You and Sheldon, what do you want to do here? Pretty much set up shop in the <laughs> opponent backfield on a frequent basis. I, a hell of a career. A Super Bowl participant as well. So, just simply a, a, a hat tip to Indy Zone. And, Sheldon, always good to hear your voice, man. 
I appreciate that so much, man. Don't hype me up too much, though, man. I'm, we are hyping I'm, uh, you up. I'm my glory days right now. <laughs> I was going to say, I might need to email your agent and ask for, for, for a cut of that. All right, uh, let us know. I, I guess just right off the start, details on the event. Mark just tweeted out the link coming up coming up at Hinkle Fieldhouse, a week of the All-Star game. I believe it is the Wednesday night of All-Star weekend. Let us know what fans can see over at Hinkle. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, trying to give Indianapolis an affordable opportunity to experience All-Star Weekend. So bringing in a lot of my friends, we got Justin Jefferson, Keith Lee, Terrell Owens. The list continues just coming to Indianapolis Hinkle Fieldhouse. And we'll have a dunk contest, three-point contest, and a skills challenge. And we're just just trying to get back to the city of Indianapolis. Tickets are as cheap as $10. You can go on Ticketmaster.com and type in Hinkle. And you'll find Athletes and Influencers event at Hinkle Fieldhouse on Wednesday, February 14th from 6 to 9. And again, Mark Dykton has tweeted that out from our show account if you're looking for that link. Sheldon, what uh, what sparked you wanting to do this? Oh, man, uh, I've experienced All-Star Weekend in L.A., and I just thought it was way too expensive. So I wanted to give Indianapolis the opportunity to get an, an affordable event. So reached out to a lot of my friends. A lot of us think we can play basketball. We think we can, you know, we're 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, some of us are 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and now we're going to put that to the test. Can we really play an NBA game? It's going to be everywhere. And we're going to find out who in the NFL can actually play in the NBA. And then also we're going to find out all these influencers that say, oh, I'm an athlete, stuff like that. We're going to put that to the test. I, I laugh at those comments because, Sheldon, the few times that I've been inside some NFL locker rooms for media availabilities, I think the dominant conversation more than any is guys in that locker room arguing over who is the best basketball player back in their high school days. <laughs> I think it's uh, kind of going on now, too, is who's the best basketball basketball player now. Still. So I'm really trying to put this to the test. <laughs> Well, T.O.'s T- 50. He could, I mean, well, T.O. could hoop just, back yeah, in the Just day, a yeah. couple years ago, I remember on ESPN, he was doing dunks and everything else. Yeah, this is true. So uh, we're about to see if his old self can continue the, the athletic ability that he had when he was younger. <laughs> Again, we tweeted that out on the show accounts. Coming up on Wednesday, February 14th, 6 to 9 p.m., Hoops and Icons. Uh, again, Wednesday, February 15th there at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Uh, that's something I, I – we. KB, we should be influencers in some way. I don't know. I, I always wonder how you get into how you get into Sheldon's something like that. Yeah, into I, the I have building. no idea. I don't know if you heard that from him. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Sheldon, I, I, if you don't mind, the Chiefs 49ers matchup obviously has me thinking back when you played in the Super Bowl a few years ago and was just yeah. hoping you could share maybe some of your memories from that game. You, you played a big role. I know certainly you guys had a lead and it got away from you in the fourth quarter. Uh, but what are your memories from what I would assume is probably one of your uh, more memorable nights of your uh, of your career? Oh, man. So, uh, I guess leading up to the game, everybody said, it's just a game. It's just a game. And I promise, I've never been more nervous to start in a game than that game right there. Uh, just knowing that the whole world is watching. I think, like, right as soon as they sung the national anthem, I'm like, all right, I can do this. I can do this. I just look up and I just see bright lights. So I finally understood what people said, like, when the moment's too big. And I was like, wow, this is what it really feels like. But after that first snap, you kind of get the gel going. Uh, like you said, we, we lost, I would think, one of the worst games I've lost. Uh, up 11, I'm like, man, we're about to go to Cancun. We're over here partying. We're, we're going to be at Vegas tomorrow. We're going to be Super Bowl champs. And all of a sudden, we lose by 10. So uh, quick turn of events for us. And uh, just trying to play that back in my head. Like, dang, could I have did this better? Or could we have did this better as a team? Oh, man, just uh, eats at you every single day.
Sheldon, obviously one of my memories. By the way, Sheldon Day, Warren Central, Notre Dame, former Colt as well. You remember him well. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I, I remember how much DeForest Buckner like dominated that game. And honestly, if the Chiefs don't make that comeback, hell, I, I don't know if the media actually would have done it, but I thought Buckner could have been the MVP of that game. What do you recall about Buck in that one? Oh, man. <laughs> Buck's one of my closest friends, so uh... – Man, he dominated. We talked about it all week. Like, who's going to be that guy that takes over this game? And he took that and just wore it proudly. So, super proud of him and the career that he's had. But, uh, man, he was, he was phenomenal that night. Sheldon Day with us here uh, on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Uh, what do you make of the matchup then next week? Uh, anything stand out to you uh, uh, with the matchup? I really, 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 really want the 49ers to win. Uh, I have full faith in Kyle. I think uh, – we, he's kind of learned from that that previous Super Bowl run. Uh, a lot of people say if he ran the ball or if he didn't do this, do that, uh, we probably would have been Super Bowl champs. But I think he's learned, and I think he's uh, more of an advanced offensive coordinator and play caller and things like that. So uh, I'm giving the edge to the 49ers, but I'm scared about Pat. Just can't count him out for some reason. I feel like he's on his, uh, his Tom Brady run. So really excited to watch this game. Sheldon Day with us here. He's had a hell of an NFL career. Sheldon, for our audience out there that maybe hasn't keeping close tabs since Indy, you know, you're with Cleveland and Minnesota. What what does your future look like NFL wise for you? Oh man, so heading into year nine, uh, can't believe I just said that out loud. Uh, but it's, it's been a ride. So uh, we're going to continue to try to push this thing along. Still, still under contract with the Minnesota Vikings, and hopefully, I sign back next year and. Uh, I'll be in the Super Bowl next year, so that's that's the goal. I like it. I like that a lot. What well, what do you remember? I, I know it was in a long stay here in Indianapolis, battled some injuries. What was that like playing for your hometown team? We now see it with Juju Brents. Of course, Jack Doyle had a long career here. Uh, what was that like for you? Man, it was a dream come true. Uh, being able to play in front of your your family and your friends is a great opportunity. Uh, sad it was cut short, but uh, injury, like like I said, injury bug kind of got a hold of me. Couldn't shake it, and uh, they decided we decided to part ways. So uh, definitely would not be opposed to coming back and having a, another lengthy stay here. So uh, definitely open to it. So uh, Chris Ballard hit me up. <laughs> I like that. He uh, does listen. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Sometimes things we say, he'll bring up in a press conference, it something Mobile, like Alabama, that. The uh, Sheldon Day with us. All right, I gotta, I gotta ask you this, and I, people may roll their eyes and they may hate it. If you, uh, right now, if you let's say, let's pretend you're back with the the Niners, you're in the Super Bowl, and you tackle Travis Kelsey, do you whisper something about Taylor Swift in his ear, or do you not do that? So, me personally, uh. I wouldn't have to. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to, like, shake it off or something. Like, just something. Uh, I like it. I like it. You got to. You got to. <laughs> you have to. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm with them. Sheldon, who is the best ba- – like, who will be the best basketball player we see at Hinkle coming up a week from Wednesday? Uh, so, um, my money's on Justin Jefferson. Um, he's, he was uh, talking trash, talking about how good he's, he's – a, how good of a basketball player he is. Uh, my money's on him, but I guess I guess there's some people saying that Max is nice will probably be the best um, basketball player there. He's an influencer, and uh, he's talking trash in the, in the chat. So 
I don't know. I, I'm excited for Justin because I know if he if he wins, it's going to be gritty in and having the kids gritty <laughs> and things like that. So we also have a gritty challenge that for the kids uh, doing a really uh, good gritty. Jefferson's challenge for them. winning that one. Yeah, my nephew gritties after everything oh, does he, he does. Does he really? To Justin Jefferson. <laughs> so he might need to be in the building. Did I see Kenny Moore is on this list? Yes, he is. Kenny strikes me as a pretty good basketball player. I know he's got some soccer background as well. I could see him being a great guy on the defensive. I could see him being a defensive a, guard. The floor. Yeah, yeah like a, a nice, lockdown like, defensive guard, guard stopper there. Yeah. Sheldon, I think this is an awesome idea. I, 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 it's part of kind of what I want the next couple of weeks to be about for our audience too. All-Star Weekend, it is very expensive, to your point, to go to some of these marquee events. So for you thinking of this idea and doing it at Hinkle, I think it's really cool. We're going to continue to tweet out the link, continue to pub it. And uh, glad to hear all is well, man. Thanks for representing our city so well. And looking forward to seeing you a week from Wednesday. Definitely. I appreciate the support. Again, Sheldon Day. One more time on that. We've linked it out. Ticketmaster you can go to. As Sheldon said, just type in Hinkle Fieldhouse. Among others, Kenny Moore, Terrell Owens, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson's got to be good at basketball, right? He's an LSU kid, so he knows as good as trash talk. Yeah, I mean, come on. He's super athletic, mid-20s. Oh, yeah, he's going to ball out. I don't know. He's been eating a lot of little Caesars. <laughs> you seen those commercials? I Who have. knows? Yeah, 6 to 9 p.m. at Hinkle That's coming up. That's a great up. event, though. Some surprise guests, some fan challenges. You can get him for like 10 bucks. And I just love that idea from Sheldon. I, I was curious, you know, when he messaged me a couple weeks ago about this, I, I didn't even ask him really, like, hey, what sparked it? Um, but I, I was curious about that, and um, it makes a lot of sense. We're going to have... Um, uh, someone on tomorrow to talk a little bit more about All-Star Week, All-Star Weekend, um, just other events that are not necessarily just the All-Star Game or Saturday night at Lucas Oil or even the Rising Stars game because there's a lot of events I don't think a lot of people know about that I want to make sure our audience hears. When, when do we know who's going to be in the in some of the different competitions? Is that next week? It's starting to trickle Early next out. week or this weekend? Yeah, Tyrese Halliburton, I think, kind of hinted at it with yeah, Jake he and Jimmy he, yesterday. He, he did, yeah. He so hinted. we know we're going to get, and I I want to pronounce her last name right, Anescu? Okay. Sabrina? I, I uh-huh. wanted to bring this story up, but I was scared to death. And I've yeah. seen her play so many times. Right, I know. I, I hope I didn't butcher that New too, York too Liberty, bad. right? Right. So she and Steph Curry will be doing a head-to-head three-point shootout. Um, so that will be going on Saturday night. So we know that element will be there. Is that separate from the other three? Is there going to be two three-point competitions? Correct. Okay. Right. You'll have your normal three-point. And if you remember last year, the three-point contest, that has taken over the dunk contest as the stars. thousand percent. I mean, Jason Tatum, I believe, was in it. Yeah. Halliburton in it. You had Steph Curry. I want to say Lillard might have been in it last year as well. I mean, that is a marquee, marquee event. And I got to think it will be topping the dunk contest, right? Yeah, I, I, why would he not do it, right? Why would he not do it? So Unless they I, trade him. To your point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's the other thing. He, he can still be in the dunk contest. Oh, he could, but he might not want to come back to Indianapolis. But, in, you know, I don't know. It's the first thing I thought. Like, yeah, I'd love to see Obin, Obi, but, you know, on Tuesday if they trade him, I think, oh, I'll All-Star chill. All-Star Reserves tonight, is that right? I think it is, yeah. Okay, so I last think it is. Thursday we got right. the All-Star starters. Tonight we're going to get... The all-star reserves, because Reggie Miller was hooting and hollering about Derek White. Oh, boy, God. He was killing me with yeah. it. Certainly, yeah. Tonight at 7. Certainly Derek White backed that yeah. up against the and that's, and that's before the, the game tonight. Who, who is it? Celtics and don't they play nationally televised? Oh, no, no, Celtics, no, Celtics no. Lakers, Celtics right? Lakers, yeah, because Pacers tonight's Pacers tonight. next. Yeah. yeah. Celtic. I mean, we talked about that because we are like, will the Pacers or will the Celtics sit anybody? 
you know, to get ready for the next televised game. They didn't. They didn't sit anybody against the Pacers. So, again, that will be announced. And coming up two weeks from Sunday is All-Star Sunday night over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And we'll continue to keep you updated on any events that come across our way. All right. uh, Let's close it out with the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. We'll do that next. Have you studied... Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with KB and Andy. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. All right, Pop Quiz time. 317-239-1070. 317-239-1070. If you want to jump in on any of that fun show today, if you miss uh, any of Sheldon Day there, former uh, Warren Central Product Indianapolis Colt, four different teams in the NFL has played in the Super Bowl. Uh, you can catch that. Brian Newbert and, of course, Scott Agnes all joined us today. Our Purdue conversation, a little Colts in the eight o'clock hour. You can find it all at 1075thefan.com. Tweeted out that link for the Hinkle um, celebrity event coming up a week from Wednesday. Sheldon Day was on talking about just love the idea of an affordable event at an iconic place and I mean, hell, you know how big of a name Justin Jefferson is? Well, that's why I say, I mean, T.O.'s a huge name. These are, these are ma- name, I mean, Kenny Moore's a big name around here, yeah. especially. These are, these are massive names. Yeah, my uh, seven-year-old nephew, him. I would say Justin Jefferson would rank very high on the list of his Ugh. favorite athletes. Yeah, I have a buddy who's... Gritty's after goals scored in soccer. Yeah, I think, I think my buddy's son has kind of grown out of it a little bit, but I do remember the better parts of the last couple years... The gritty, and whether that be Justin Jefferson, uh, or what's that damn video game that everyone played? Oh, what's the video game everyone played? Call Fortnite. Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite, oh, Fortnite. That's Fortnite. It. Say Call yeah. of Duty. Now Fortnite, they have all the dances and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I, I found myself being very old uh-huh. when this eight-year-old right. was gritting around in public. I'm thinking, wow, he looks like an idiot. Yeah, I, I tried to <laughs> gritty and almost had to dial up Dr. Don Shelbourne for a knee. <laughs> issue there. Uh, I'd love to see that. At one Christmas. Be a good video we could put on the website, yeah. 1075thefan.com. Okay. helmet pick yeah. video. I've, I've got, got no no rhythm at all, so that would look terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I can't even spell rhythm, let alone accomplish it. Uh, all right, it is time for the pop quiz. Andy Sweeney <laughs> at number one through eight here. Uh, let's go number Let's go number four. Mark Dighton, caller number four. Don. Don, good morning. How are you today, uh, sir? Don. Andy. How we Don? doing? Great, Don. Hey, Don, always good to hear your voice. How are you? I'm doing well. I haven't had a chance to call, and I jumped on late, so don't ask me anything you talked about. Well, <laughs> I did like I did like uh, Sheldon Day. Well, good, good player. Yeah, he he was a good player. Don, we have no windows in the studio. Is the sun really out? Oh yeah, the sun is out, brother. I had to put my glasses on. I come out the the door this morning. I thought, what the hell's this? Look at that. <laughs> are you going? Are you going sunscreen today? Are you going shirtless? No, no, no! I got to work today, so they wouldn't appreciate it that much. Well, I mean, yeah, I was going to say it's not. There are there are some working environments <laughs> where that is allowed. No, well, you can put sunscreen on at work. It's okay, you know. I'd see those venues visited during All Star Weekend by some people. Yeah, pop the top, Don. Come on, in mm-hmm. the Indy area, Don. Like I said, great hearing your voice. Appreciate you calling, Andy Sweeney. will toss number one. All right, let's get a winner on this Thursday, Don. Question number one: Purdue needed overtime to get past Northwestern last night after losing to the Wildcats in Evanston back in December. Now, name the last team to defeat the Boilers twice in the same season. Was it Northwestern, Illinois, 
Indiana or Michigan? Indiana. Good start, Don. Very Didn't good have to start overthink here. Number two here, seven QBs who led the NFL in passing yards during the regular season have reached the Super Bowl in that same season. Only one led his team to a Super Bowl win in that year. Leading passer, and you get the Super Bowl win in the same year. You go in Peyton, you go in Tom, you go in Kurt Warner, or you go in Patrick Mahomes? I think it was Kurt Warner. You sure, Don? Okay. Well, I'm a homer, Peyton. <laughs> you sure? Okay, how about uh, that kid in Kansas City? Yeah, that there kid's pretty go. good. He's pretty good, he, yeah. He can sling it. He can sling it, Don. Someone had a picture of him with his shirt off, and they're doing the dad bod thing like Tom Brady. Like, yeah, well, you know, the, the outcome is pretty damn similar right now. It gives me hope for my uh, it future does. years of life. Question number three, Iowa's Caitlin Clark moved into second place on the NCAA women's all-time scoring list during the Hawkeyes' win at Northwestern last night. She is 103 points away from the record. Who holds the record for most career points in NCAA D1 women's basketball? Is it Kelsey Plum? Brittany Griner, Jackie Styles, Kelsey Mitchell. Kelsey Mitchell. There's a fever right there. I remember Jackie Styles at was it Missouri State or Missouri Southwest Missouri State, something like when that. When I read that I thought of Jackie Childs for some reason. Yes. <laughs> this day, Not the ni- same. Nineteen fifty, Don. Uh Curly <laughs> Lambeau resigned as head coach of the Green Bay pa- Packers after thirty one seasons and six NFL championships. Upon his death 15 years later, the Packers renamed their stadium Lambeau Field. What was Green Bay Stadium called before the rename? Was it Green Bay Municipal Stadium? Was it City Stadium? Was it Bellevue Park? Or was it Clark Hinkle Field? Or E-Toilet Bowl? Good Lord. Any relation to Tony Hinkle there? Uh, Not a very creative name, Don, if I'm going to be totally honest. Say it again, I'm sorry. Yeah, not a very creative name. You know, I'm just kind of blah. Well, City Field. Sure, why not? How boring is that? That is so boring, is it not? I love it. Can you uh, imagine the big meeting that came up with that name? <laughs> trying to give directions. <laughs> I'm at the city stadium, the stadium in the city. Uh, in honor of F1 turning down Andretti Global's bid to form a new team before 2028 because the sanctioning body doubted the ability of the new team to be competitive. This is a Scotty question. Who was the only non-Red Bull team driver to win an F1 race in the 2023 season? season. Uh, was it Max Verstappen, Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez, or Red Bull won every single race? Which one was it? Well, I needed a dart for this one, but Andy, you seem positive on Red Bull won every single race. There we go. Don, you an <laughs> F1 fan? I don't think he is. No, no. I I watched a little bit back in the Senna, Ayrton Senna and those kind of days, but uh, you know the cars just follow each other anymore. Could not it's, agree more. It's not. It's not near as much fun as it used to be. Yeah, and there's more passing at the uh, Indy 500 parade on the Saturday before the race. <laughs> uh, all right, <laughs> let's see how Don did. Not a bad effort at all. Uh, yeah, the brooms were out for Indiana last year over Purdue. Yeah, don't overthink it. He got number one right. He got number two. Let's Pat Mahomes. Let's go. 
And four, correct? Right? Yes! Yeah, and the answer to number three, who holds the most, uh, who holds the record for most points in NCAA D1 women's basketball, it's Kelsey Plum. He went with Kelsey Mitchell instead. Follow signs. The last one there. It is um that F one three. I don't have a, it, it, an argument, but literally, it's a no no one else wins except for one or two guys. And Max wins everything. Yeah, it's an. I mean, if you look at the odds before the race, like they're it's not insane. even close. Right. And yet people are like, it's so cool. I'm like, is it? Though? It's that damn Netflix know. show. It's the Netflix show that so made Kelsey it cool. Plum, you said, is married to Darren Waller. I think they just got married like this you know, past I, weekend. I think about this with Drew Holiday. He did Mar- not get injured walking down the aisle, by the way. He <laughs> did pull a hammy. Sounds like a giant fan yeah, comment there. Yeah. I think about this with <laughs> Drew Holiday and Lauren Chaney, you know, the, the Ben Davis legend here, and them having a couple of kids. Of course, the World Cup winner, gold medalist. Like, you imagine... Like, if Max Bowen is somehow on the teams of those kids? <laughs> yeah. Well. I mean, just start passing out the water now, right? Right. Well, you might see him at games, which would be cool, but you know your kid is not going to be the number one player on that respective team. Yeah. You just start learning how to be an agent, hey. like, at a young age? Learn how to be a role player at eight years old. That's how you do it. Uh, thank you to Don for that one. Again, Scott Agnes, Brian Newbert, Sheldon Day. Reminder, 7.30 tips. Our coverage will begin at 7.00. Tonight with the Pacers and Knicks. That is also the same time tomorrow night. Uh, Sacramento here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The Kings did not pl- do not play tonight. They played last night in Miami. So if you're a Sabonis fan and you want to see him, the only time this year he should be playing. I know he hasn't played in all of these matchups here since the trade. So he will be should be playing, I guess, tomorrow night. Everybody have a great Thursday. Enjoy the sun. Hallelujah. It's real.